Hey, thanks for clicking on the video. It's going to be another episode of Reforge Gaming News talking about Elden Ring and my live service theory. I outlined it numerous times, but after extensive playing of the game, I have to say I think I was wrong, sadly. I was really hoping this was something they'd be able to do with the game. I'm going to outline my argumentation right here at the beginning of the video. It is a longer video because it's a live stream, but I try to put the bulk of the information right here at the beginning for you. If you like these streams, the content, and my coverage, be sure to hit subscribe and the bell button. That way you don't miss the live streams that we do. This is a Reforge update. If you're familiar with my content, you may have seen my videos about live service theories about Elden Ring and what I thought they were going to do with New Game Plus, DLC, and so forth. And after playing the game quite a bit, I want to walk back that theory and essentially say, I think I was wrong. I still think there is possibilities for elements of what I said to happen in the game, but I really want to stress that the size and the scope of this game really makes some of my theories difficult uh, to establish so if you like these updates and these really short videos hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss my uploads over here on updates so my original theory was basically that you would play new game plus as normal that you would continue to have the same sort of experience you've had before in from soft games prior to now sort of the way that you do it in like a dark souls 3 I then said that I thought there would be DLC that would change the entire game. That once you become an Elden Lord, you would be able to play the game as an Elden Lord and it would be a very different experience. And the way that I thought this would work is the entire map would change. Uh, Sections of the map would change. Dungeons, bosses, everything would sort of be almost an inverse reality or a changed reality because of everything that you had done by killing the demigods and, you know, capturing the runes or whatever. Now, my reasoning was pretty simple. Everything that I had seen about Elden Ring felt like a much bigger and more meaningful game. It felt as though From Software was building their magnum opus. Miyazaki had made remarks about wanting to get into live service, and I thought, okay, this could be a very, very good game for it. And open world games are kind of ripe for live service where you can continually update the game and change the game and give people that option of an extended or ongoing experience as opposed to a more episodic DLC style, which is what they've traditionally done. We recently covered the discovery of what we think might be the PvP Coliseum. I was told it's not the only one, which could lend credence to the fact there might be multiple Coliseums for people to use for maybe different things. But it does seem, I think, after playing the game, how much of an impossibility of my theory that this is, like just through playing the game. And I want to explain what I mean. The Elden Ring map size and my experience with discovering all of the various aspects of it and then having to use the interactive map to find some of the few dungeons and caves that I missed in some of the beginning areas really showed me that I don't think it's possible. If it is possible, they essentially probably had to build two games. There's just too many things <clears throat> to go back and redo, redesign, or update. It just, it's just far too big and too deep. Now, the actual geographic layout of the game could remain intact. I mean, the game is enormous. I'm just struck by how deep some of the dungeons and caves go. It's truly remarkable how massive this game is. Like, you don't really have a scope of it until you start exhaustively going through the dungeons and caves in each area in addition to sort of the main linear trajectory and the bigger areas and the castles and things of that nature. It's just a massive game. It would essentially be 
Elden Ring 2.0, like almost like a part two of the game. Now, I still think it's possible to a certain degree. Imagine all the caves, dungeons, and areas are the same, but maybe the enemies are completely different in their appearance, in their abilities, in what they do to create a surprise element or like maybe an impact of what we have done to the world as an Elden Lord makes those fights very different. You would apply changes to the established structure but I really think that's unlikely. I think what is most likely is they will add new areas to the map and apply the established content structure that's already there. There'll be items, dungeons, caves, bosses, and things of that nature in those new map areas to give you that expanded experience, but the bulk of the game would then remain unchanged. I think that is probably the most likely outcome of ongoing or DLC content for Elden Ring. So I really do think my theory was wrong after playing the game and really examining just the depth and the breadth of it seeming to make my theory pretty improbable let me know what you think in the comments below as always you can catch me live over on reforge gaming and over here on updates hit subscribe and the bell button and i'll see you in the next one and i'll see the rest of you right now let me know what you think obviously that the game as i played it i was like i i just don't think my theory is going to stand. I I don't think it could stand. I really don't think it's possible for them to go back and essentially rebuild the entire game. Like, that's basically how this would work. There is too much in the game, essentially. They'd have to, in, in my opinion, applying my theory is too cumbersome, right? It's just, it's just, it's just too cumbersome. It would essentially be like them building a, almost an entirely second game, right? I'm very glad you're willing to admit a mistake that shows integrity. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I, I still think I still think they could apply some of what I'm saying, right? Like the world would be different as an Elden Lord, but I simply think that it's just far too big. I don't think that it was the, the, the way this game launched with some of the performance issues and some of the problems. I don't see it as being something that they had developmental bandwidth to create essentially an Elden Ring 2.0 or a different version of Elden Ring like that's what it would require it would require such a massive amount of bandwidth and development there's no way my theory stay it has water or holds water I should say I just don't think so uh, love that we get Lono wrong because he's like <laughs> whatever Robert um, seems like a live service with a game like this would probably cause a lot of corners to be cut right would it be worth it if the quality was so low because they because they they if you prioritize this this thing that I'm talking about to the extent that it would then lower the quality of it it wouldn't be any good NBC TM with a brand new membership first new membership of the day if you guys have never done a paid membership we really really need membership to go up on this channel and uh, we, we, we if we could get to 500 and keep climbing that would be extremely helpful as we've made some pretty drastic changes with the other channels and uh, you guys are really picking up the slack over here, and I greatly appreciate that. If you can't afford a membership, at least smash that like button, say good morning in chat. Those are different ways to help the video out. Make sure you're subbed with the bell button. Check. Probably just reskin some parts of the enemies. That's what I was thinking, if you know or are familiar with how Destiny did that the one time with the Taken King, right? Everything got takenified so you know you had the same units and uh in in the same stuff right the same enemies the same looks and the same animations and yet and yet it was uh it, it was it was clear that it was like new right 
No shame in being wrong, only uh, shame lies in staying that way. Right. Could be a randomizer-type DLC. That is something to consider as well. What could they do with the dungeons, right? Could they make the dungeons randomized? Randomized enemies, randomized bosses. That could be very, very cool. Hey, another new member, Vanilla Funk. Thank you very much. We got a bit of a member train this morning. Let's see if we can have an actual membership train. We got two people at the top of the chat right now. Vanilla Funk and NBCTM, welcome to Reforge Gaming. Enjoy the dope badge and emotes. You are dope and deserve dope stuff. Who else deserves dope stuff this morning? Hit the hit the join button or use the join command. So do you want the game to be live service? What happened to good games having a story which you can finish? I was under the impression that live service is not a good thing. I, I'm going to take that question because a lot of people think that, Danny. Yo, what's good, Feed? I see you in the chat. So let me respond to that, Danny, after I respond to RT Mayday, because I know people are going to want to know my thoughts on this, okay? Uh, Another person jumping on the member train, Commando G-Man, thank you very much. There we go, three people now at the top of the chat doing a membership to Reforge Gaming. Enjoy the dope badge and emotes, you are dope and deserve dope stuff. So many of you know uh, that I really wanted to see Doc take the purple platform to the cleaners. I am disappointed that that is not happening. He has seemingly settled. Um, and I understand why he did because it's probably far more economical to stop spending money and get some money, uh, given the costs, it was probably taking him, you know, a significant, you know, in the red, I would imagine legal costs are insane. And so uh, disappointment, but also respect and empathy and understanding. So I may cover that more extensively on Reforge radio today over on Reforge radio this afternoon, we will be talking about Mr. Beast recently appeared on Joe Rogan and some of his fans had very mixed and interesting responses. I want to look at this from sort of a psychoanalytical way of the behavior in culture now as we do ostracization through separation. I want to talk about that. So if you're not subscribed to Reforge Radio, make sure you're there this afternoon talking Mr. Beast Rogan and more of that cancel culture DNA that seems so prevalent. But okay, back to what Danny has said. So Danny says, "You do you want this game to be live service? What happened to good games having a story that you can finish? I was under the impression that live service is not good thing per se. Okay, this is an excellent question. So I'm going to take his question and turn it into a poll, right? Elden Ring live uh, service. Are you for or against it happening, right? I'm for it. I'm against it. So I want to know what people think before I sort of, you know, give my give my my uh, thoughts on this. Okay, so let me respond to what he has said because I really like the question. First and foremost, I think baked into your question is a premise and an assumption that you you clearly have owned and stated is that live service is just bad, is it not? I actually don't think so, and I think one of the reasons people think that it is automatically bad is because they look at Fortnite and a battle pass and that to them is synonymous with live service okay that is one option of live service think of it in the realm of there are lots of different fast food restaurants but they're not all the same right Taco Bell McDonald's are very very different from you know Chick-fil-a or whatever so given that live service is not always automatically bad or let's say it another way it's not always automatically a battle pass with a crazy amount of like cosmetics i want to give you some examples of live service games that i think are good models and prove that it can be done and done well diablo 3 and their seasonal model 
I think is an excellent example of an ongoing game that is live service, continually updated, expanded, and gives players the option to continue playing. The expedition thing that they did in No Man's Sky, very similar to seasonal characters in Diablo 3. There's also Elder Scrolls Online. There's Path of Exile. There's a number of games out there that I think do live service well, but not necessarily to the degree that it's this chintzy, really thinned out content delivery system with the battle pass where the substance is lacking and it's just them trying to squeeze cash out of a out of an out of an audience like many people felt that I know I know that like Witch Queen's doing well and people are really praising it prior to Witch Queen there were many people in the community and leaving the Destiny community who felt that that's what that game was doing it was just thinning the content offerings out a lot of copy <clears throat> a lot of copy paste and reused assets and reused activities to basically give you almost nothing. I didn't agree with a lot of those criticisms, by the way, and I obviously know that the game has seemingly turned a good corner and people seem to be pretty happy. I don't want to talk about that game, but I do think some people assume that that's what's going to happen. Well, if you go live service, you're going to dilute the game, you're going to thin it out, the offering's going to suck, it's going to be bad, okay? I don't think that's, that's an automatic thing. <clears throat> so now that we've dispelled with that notion... The initial question from Danny was, do you want it to be live service? Okay. By the way, Commando G-Man's name's about to slip from the top of chat. If you guys want to keep that member train going, let's get another one. Let's get another name up there. Um, It's not that I want it to be live service. Okay. I want games to be as excellent and as great as they can in their context and in their genre okay so i want fortnite to be as good as it possibly can in its context and in its genre why it's good for gaming it's good for the people that play the game it's good for the people that work on the game it creates entertainment value joy happiness it creates money revenue jobs okay that's why i want that i'm not anti certain games now i might be anti certain uh, practices in gaming, but I'm not. Let me try and get the focus here to work right. Let's. Let's. It seems like it's grabbing the disc plates. Grab me. Grab me. <laughs> What's it doing? Um. So I might be anti-certain practices, but I'm not anti-certain game types. Now, certain game types are laden with practices that I might be against, like gotcha games, right? So, live service for Elden Ring. I would want Elden Ring to do live service only if it could be excellent. Only if the game could be as excellent as possible in its context, in its genre, in its community. Does that make sense? Could we get nine more likes? Let's get our first 100 likes on the video. I guess I'm just against live service with the experiences I've had. Other games I've played, developers release like 30% of the game and then they continue developing it as a live service pretext. Yes. And so, so... What you have to do, I think, is you have to take you have to take like an axiomatic approach to this. You create an axiom, a principle, or a paradigm, and you say, I want games to be their best. And if a live service feature comes in and degrades the product, lowers its value, diminishes what the consumer receives, then that axiom would say, that was a bad decision, that was a bad choice. You wouldn't conclude, oh no, that means live service is bad. Do you see the difference? 
Seems to me like a dungeon remix, like a Zelda Master Quest that reorganizes item spots, amps up dungeon challenge, enemy difficulty. I think that would be nice for players that wish the game was harder. Right. And for me, thank you for the $5 tip, Insomniac. Can I just say, I hate all of those hand jokes yesterday. Oh, that was so fun. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, and so, I, I if, if you ask me, oh, do you want to be live service? No, I want Elden Ring to be as good as it possibly can be. Now, that might mean my desire, my my affinity for the game is that I want to continue playing it, and it'd be great if there was a live service approach to the game that enabled me to keep playing and keep having a fresh and new experience, then do it. But only do it if you can do it well. Don't do it if it's going to be chintzy and bad, right? Now, I think my theory kind of got dashed on the rocks because, and this is actually interesting to think about, the depth and the breadth and the value of Elden Ring is the reason why my theory is destroyed, I think. I don't think my my, my, my theory holds anymore. Because they did such an amazing job with this game. It's basically a victim of their own success. Being a victim of their own excellence. The game is so big and so vast and so complex, there is absolutely no way my theory comes to fruition. I just don't see it. Unless they decide to do that instead of a new game. Like, they would basically have to say, we want to usher in the era of the Elden Lords in Elden Ring, and then you would boot up the game, and you'd click New Game Plus, or you'd click New Game Plus Elden Lord, and you would boot up the game as an Elden Lord. Now, one of the reasons that might be a good choice is... The assets are already there. The, the the map's already built. The areas are already already established and that you have a gigantic head start. You already have enemies, enemy animations, all this stuff that could allow them to do that maybe in quicker order than to build another game. Like imagine if in 18 months or 12 months that they launch that. So I, I think my theory could happen, but it would require a significant amount of more work. What I think is more likely, what I think is more likely, is they will do the traditional DLC format, where a new area on the map opens up, you go there, there's new dungeons, caves, items, bosses, some new story, a new point of interest with a pretty big boss fight, and that's it. Do you see? Like, I think that's far more likely. Why? Because they have an established content structure that I think would be, I, I don't want to use the word easy, but I think the model is there to like just keep replicating and adding to the map, especially considering they added fast travel. I see the difference. However, I definitely would prefer DLC model over live service. Live service works better for MMOs, where Elden Ring is a single player game uh, at its core with added MP elements. I don't think live service necessitates a significant multiplayer identity. As an example, you can play Diablo 3 seasonal character and a significant amount of the things they have you do are actually designed and require you to be solo. So I don't think I don't think that's a necessary requirement of live service either. What would they charge for skins? Guess that gets rid of armor choice. I actually don't know what they would charge for, Fairyman, because, yeah, that's the other thing, is if it's an ongoing thing, an ongoing, evolving experience, to where, you know, how do you monetize that, right? It's you're just charging for the DLC, it might get, um, it might turn into something that's not very profitable. 
Elden Ring's teething problems are very minor compared to a lot of other games teething problems like Cyberpunk or GTA Universe Definitive or No Man's Sky at launch when you say teething can you explain what you mean by that just release the expansion or DLC way more accepted and streamlined I don't like the fact that they charge a premium service price I like paying once well I don't think I don't think that uh I don't think you need to charge an ongoing fee. There's plenty of games that do not charge ongoing fees for their live service elements. That's not an automatic requirement. If you're just tuning in, if you're just tuning in, I am uh, I am outlining why my theory about Elden Ring going live service, why I don't think it's going to happen or be possible. Um, I, I outlined this prior to the game coming out. I thought I saw a lot of signs and and potential uh, realities and signals that was going to lend this game well to live service and an ongoing experience that would expand. Again, not necessarily something that you would charge a subscription fee for or have like a battle pass for. I certainly don't think that's there. I'd be happy with a DLC or an expansion for this game, says Shortchange Hero. Don't give me Elden Ring 2. Just keep updating this game and its world for a few years. And that certainly could be considered very low-level live service. If they have four or five DLCs where the map keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, that's 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 not quite all the way live service, but it's pretty dadgum close. It's not just like one DLC story. Diablo 3 has leaderboards and greater rifts pushing ETC. That's why the seasonal thing works. I didn't experience such things in Elden Ring so far. Surely not game teething, glitching and bug that slows players' progress or totally stopping players from progressing. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not been quite as not been quite as bad for sure. Justin says, "I think it would be cool to add really difficult bosses for like a weapon or armor or something. The only thing is it can't be too strong or it would ruin PVP." Right. The monetization is why I think From's live service will be Armored Core. Yeah, the next Armored Core game, I've had a lot of people tell me that. They're like, look, man, the Armored Core game, that whenever it comes out, would be far better suited for live service with the way that it's structured, the monetization. Um, I, I, think that would, uh, I think that would be the way that they would do it. They would do it in that game specifically. If you've never been here before, make sure and hit subscribe if you want to talk in the chat. Take the poll at the top of the chat Elden Ring live service are you for or against it happening I'm for it is at 56 and I'm against it is at 44 so pretty close to being split down the middle but not quite I'm gonna be so sad when I complete this game so future DLC would be great who's gonna be the first coffee order of the day says Solid Snake the Light Roast is my favorite I cannot drink any other coffee since drinking Rageless Roast well that's very kind of you to say Solid Snake yeah let's see we sold two two orders yesterday Let's see if we can start the day with an order as well. A couple of new members uh, popped in uh, already as well. Oops, I opened up an email. For for DLCs or DLCs, why do we have to call it live service? If they plan to continue four DLCs a year for the next few years, maybe it's live service at that point. Yeah, like if they decided to just keep going, right? If they decided to like just continue to press on, and, 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 and continue, you know, to... If it was like, okay, we were only going to do a couple of DLCs, but now we want to do a lot more, if that makes sense. 
Can you go over what live service is? So live service in a very generic way is a game that continues to expand the experience beyond just supporting the game with patches and quality of life. So the game world itself, the content and the player experience continues to evolve, expand, and grow instead of being something that's more static that you just repeat. Like start a new character or new game plus. That's not quite live service because it's more of a loop. It's more of a static loop with dynamic elements, right? You pick a different character, you do a different build, you have a different experience. So there are dynamics within the loop, but it is more static in that you just kind of keep doing the same loop over and over again. Live service would be something more akin to like what Diablo 3 has done. So Diablo 3, you can just continue to do the loop of the campaign and then go up in difficulty new game plus with that character or start a new uh, a new a new character so you have a couple of different ways of approaching that static loop that has its own dynamic things within it live service would be more of this sort of like ongoing trajectory of we're going to continue to support add to and enhance your experience so a seasonal character in diablo 3 would fall under that idea that You're going into greater rifts that are randomized, so it's a different experience every time. You're chasing cosmetics and things to add to your character, so your experience is expanding and evolving as you continue to come back to the game. Would you consider Dark Souls 3 DLC live service? No, because if it's delivered with the intention of being a static loop, then no, it's not live service. It only, to me, sort of crosses over into the category of live service if you're continuing to add to the story or the game world of the experience in an ongoing trajectory. Does that make sense? So the ongoing trajectory would be like what they do in Diablo 3 or what they do in No Man's Sky with their expeditions. It's like you know that what you're gaining, you're going to carry with you into the next thing and into the next experience. DLCs are more episodic. So while it's a continuation and an evolution and an expansion of your experience in the game world, it's more static and more looped and contained. You can do this and then think of it like this. So the if if um this is what they did in Diablo 3 originally. So let's just compare this to what they might do in Elden Ring. So you had the Diablo 3 experience that had new game plus baked into it, go up in difficulty, continue to play the game or start a new character, right? And then they added a new DLC, new area, new story, new weapons and gear, even a new character. Well, what that does is you have your primary static loop here that can be rerun in a variety of ways. It just sort of absorbs that new thing that they added so now the loop is bigger the static slightly dynamic loop of content is slightly larger but still somewhat contained okay what live service tends to do is live service says you're here having this experience and that loop is going to feel similar and continue but it's going to move along on a trajectory of you're getting new things and taking them with you. You're getting cool stuff. You're getting new cosmetics. And so you're, you're, there's almost like a, a movement forward. There's this trajectory of continuation as opposed to the loop just got bigger because they added a place on the map. Does that make sense? That's why I thought, well, they'll change the world. You're an Elden Lord now, so the world will change. Okay, So that's, that's, that's an expansive experience. You're taking and moving forward forward with what your character has and having new experiences and then they can do the same thing right 
I could usher in the era of the Elden Lord, and then usher in the El- the era of the of the Broken Crown or something. And they could say like, well, now that you've gone through all these new experiences in Elden Lord, you've now been damaged in a way, and there's new enemies, you know, in in the world that are taking advantage of that damage that they did to you. They've cracked the Elden Ring, okay? And so your power has been weakened or something. So there'd be almost like epochs and eras where the world would change and feel different as your character just continues on. This, again, seems beyond the scope of what they could do or what they want to do because they've built such a massive world. They've built such an enormous, just so much depth, so much breadth. I can't see them doing that. It's too much work. It's essentially another game. They'd have, to, they'd have to basically rebuild the not the areas, but the the enemies, the bosses. There'd have to be weapons. There'd have to be a continuation scale of growth and power, or you would feel like you're just sort of statically moving forward. And I just don't think that that's within the realm of possibility. Have you seen a game become a live service without already committing to it before release? Yeah, Diablo three is our best example. Diablo three was not committed. Um, was not committed to being live service when it launched. It was contained and more of that dynamic loop and then they added story and then the loot 2.0 system arrived and then the seasonal content system arrived of making a seasonal character and riffs and randomized experiences so that you could continue to have something that's new, fresh with new items to chase and add to your, 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 your loadout, your appearance uh, all of that so I definitely think there that is probably our best example of a game that did not launch with the concept of live service and became live service over time. Would you consider Borderlands 2 live service or DLC? It's DLC. So again, think of it in this way. Borderlands 2 launches, you have this loop. You can rerun the loop at a harder difficulty or make a new character. So it's a, it's a contained static loop and yet there's dynamic things that happen within it. You can have it change and be different, harder, on your subsequent playthroughs. Or you can start a brand new character. So it's static, and yet it's got dynamic things within it. What happens with the DLC in Borderlands is that loop gets something tacked onto it. So now the loop is larger. So if you start a new character or play it on a more difficult setting, you have a larger dynamic loop to enjoy. And the loop gets larger and larger and larger. But that's it. It's contained. It's not, there's not a trajectory of ongoing evolution and expansion. It's a contained thing. It's a loop, a dynamic loop that you continue to rerun. It's just that the loop gets larger. So your laps take longer. Think of it like that. So you're running on a circle and then they make the course and the lap longer. Live service is more like an ongoing marathon where... You may go back and start a new character or you may go back in New Game Plus and rerun the beginning of the marathon, but they'll tack on new things as you go forward in your experience. You're bringing with you all those things with the anticipation of more content coming, almost like when they're building train tracks and the train's like right there and the train hits a point where it kind of stops, well, you could loop the train back and it could rerun that set of train tracks, and then the train tracks continue. So instead of looping, you trudge out into this new experience, into this new area. 
they'll do spectral steed racing league oh i'm sure i'm sure yo what's good cat good to see you in the chat yo good morning knights how are you there's a difference between dlc and live service yeah it's difficult because they're very similar they're very similar like you go from one dlc in borderlands to the next and you bring all your stuff with you you bring all your loot you bring your character with you so it's very similar but the expectation in Borderlands is this is going to be a contained loop as opposed to this is an ongoing experience. There will be more beyond this. I'm going to continue to take my character and my experience and have it just organically mushroom out. Like in No Man's Sky, every expedition brings new rewards and awards that you can then hand off to your main save character. So you're always having that looped, somewhat looped experience and then, you're, be, beyond that looped experience, you're adding and enhancing and expanding your main character's appearance and, and, and expression. It's not a bad theory, then. They could have wanted to see how the game was received first. Certainly. Certainly. Because if you think about the way they've built the world, okay? I, I, again, this is total theory. This is total theory. I feel like when you go into certain areas, it's, it's, there's an, it's instanced. This is just this is just a gut feeling. Okay, so when I go down into a dungeon, those guys are not roaming around down there doing all this stuff while I'm 10 miles away in another in another section. I feel like it's instanced. Like it's the minute I cross the threshold of of the area in the room, all of the enemies appear and kind of come to life. Well, what does that mean if I'm right? What does that mean? It means that if you could come up with a way to randomize that, the boss, the boss's magic, the boss's weapon, the boss's summon ability, okay, and then the enemies that are contained inside, then if it's possible to randomize it, every dungeon, every cave could be a completely new experience every time you go into it. Similarly to what they're doing with the Tiny Tina Wonderland's endgame content. It's going to be like a rogue environment where the uh, the enemies, the combinations, and the loot that's dropped is completely randomized. And if you die, you go back to the beginning. There's the new tower in Returnal, the Sisyphus Tower, where every time you run it, it's going to be different. You're going to try and get as far as you can. The enemies that appear and the things that drop are all randomized, right? Basically, Chalice Dungeons from Bloodborne. Exactly. That's right. They've done it before. And you have to ask the question. They've done it before, and in this game, how many of the environments would be adaptable to that content style? A lot. Oh, a, a ton. Nine months from Dan. Becoming a member has been proven to provide hidden stats in Elden Ring. Double dipping makes your summon stronger, too. Hey, Dan telling you if you become a paying member here, it's going to help you in Elden Ring. He's obviously kidding. We really, really appreciate the people who have memberships on all the channels or two of the channels or one of the channels. It's a big, big help. We do not run ads, okay? You're almost never getting this show disrupted with advertisements, and so the memberships make make that up significantly. <clears throat> um, you're right. Zuli broke that down. That's how the game engine works. Rift Tech Engine is in the game. I just got transported to Dragon Borrow. They could definitely send you to a place outside the normal game as they already did random dungeons in Bloodborne. If that's how the engine works, 
they could certainly conceive of a new game plus experience that would be chaotic you could call it you know i don't i don't know you'd call it chaos or something where you know new game plus chaos modifier where you don't know you have no you, there's you don't know what's going to be where tree sentinel's not there in the beginning where is he i don't know he could show up anywhere he's just been randomly selected as, a, as an open world mini boss that could show up in your world you go into a dungeon the minute you walk into that dungeon the minute when you walk into that cave it's going to randomly generate a bunch of enemies and they have they have their own weapons their own magic abilities their own potential drops and the the geographical structures are already built so it wouldn't be randomized set pieces it's not like you would go into a dungeon and it would be unfamiliar to you like which way do i go no the dungeon and the cave systems already built the enemies inside would could be randomized chaos belongs to stranger of paradise yeah whatever people already do randomized bosses or enemies in other souls games so it's already something that's possible it's already within the scope of possibility there's a boss randomizer mod for all the souls games i think you enter a cave and there's radon <laughs> what if they had new areas that forced status effects so new items within only worked in a certain way like a contained boss fight that must be fought in a narrow range of strategy could it work the real challenge would be if you're doing that and I'm arriving there at you know level 80 or 90 or 100 or whatever if you do that the odds of me being able to, to, to spec, build, or adjust to it might be very, very difficult. You'd have to give me the ability to adjust on the fly. What if they have the DLC finished already and currently seeing how the launch went and fix things with the game? I mean, you have to ask the question. The size and scope of the game and its commercial success, you have to ask that question. Do, are, do they have an economic incentivization to do more with this game than they originally conceived of right Miyazaki said he's never been nervous about the launch of a game but like the lead up to this game the entire world was talking about Elden Ring and it was like oh my gosh I hope the I hope the launch goes well he had never had that trepidation anxiety or fear before about a game but this game's scope reach and popularity was a very different experience for him and given that reality you might ask the question hey Look at what happened with Among Us. Look at what happened with Among Us. Among Us is, had suddenly such a surge of popularity, they they pumped the brakes and summarily canceled their sequel and have been only investing in the, in the main game. Why? The popularity disrupted their strategy. So I don't know if Elden Ring's commercial success and popularity could potentially make them say, hey, I mean, the tech is there. The world's already built. We should do more with this game. Now, I'm saying in this video that I was wrong. I don't think live service is is likely, now that I look at the size of the game, I'm like, I just think this is an insane endeavor. I just don't think it's possible. Do like a Borderlands 3 Mayhem mode, certain weapons dropped on different New Game Plus levels. Yeah, they could maybe do that, yeah. I don't see the bigwigs allowing this game to just be it. Like, all ye who enter here can use magics only at level 75, uh, etc. Auto, buff, or nerf within the mystical energy field until you vanquish the source. So you'd have to, you'd be told ahead of time what to spec into, right? And then you could come back when you're ready. 
Grubby says, I'm still confused as to why Elden Ring was so popular before release. It was announced quietly, and usually Souls games don't generate this much talk. Maybe something to do with Sekiro getting game of the year. I'll tell you what turned the tide. I was watching trailers, and I remember having this conversation with Creature. I remember saying, I actually think Elden Ring is going to be a really special game. I said, I think it's going to be massive. I My gut instinct tells me that this game is going to be enormous. It, you know, it's so many levels, right? And he wasn't sure he agreed with me. He's like, he's like, I don't know how much we'd be able to do with it, right? We were doing from software uh, from Fridays, and we certainly thought that could be a fun element of the game of playing, you know, I'm sorry, of the channel of like playing really hard games that I'm not accustomed to, and then that would lead to me playing through Elden Ring. But when we saw the first gameplay preview, he changed his tune. He was like, yeah, this game is a, is, is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. And I think when the gameplay previews hit, and you had people like Fextra Life saying, we played for 70 hours, we think we interacted with about 12% of the map. I think that's when people realized, wait a minute. there there is There is something else here. And after I saw the gameplay preview, I said... I am not prone to overhyping games. I am not prone to being like hyperbolic about games. I'm not even like a From Software fanboy. I'm a very new From Software convert. And I said, Elden Ring is going to be looked back on the way that we look back on Skyrim. I said, I think it's going to be almost like industry defining. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be a game that achieves some special class of excellence. Now, I know people hear me say that and they're like, yeah, but what about the performance issues? Performance issues don't necessarily touch the the quality of of the game itself and the substance and the and the history that it's gonna that it's gonna go down in, right? Like if like if you know Van Gogh painted a masterpiece and he had it hanging on his on his wall in his in his in his house and it wasn't well lit, right? That would certainly diminish what it looked like if you were trying to look at it in his house. But the art itself was not was not in a permanent way diminished by that. Once you remove it from his house, put it in a big ornate frame, put it in a museum, and it's perfectly lit, then, then you see, oh my, this is a masterpiece. That's how I see the performance issues here. They're purely shrouding our perspective of the game, and once removed, what's beneath is magnificent. You, you can't take away from the game's quality and brilliance and just, it's, to me, I'm literally seeing people saying, this game's ruining me. I'll never be able to enjoy an open world game again that just feels like, you know, a constant fetch quest, you know, constant go run this errand, go hit this question mark. And I, I have to agree with them, I think. I do think, and I, and I, I argued this, I already have videos up saying that I felt Elden Ring was going to change the industry. I was like, I think it's going to change the industry. I think it's going to impact an entire generation of developers that say, we want to make a game like that. That's the kind of game we want to make. And not even in the realm of open world, I was just thinking in the realm of like, it's going to make Souls games more visibly mainstream, right? I don't think that the game is niche, but I definitely think that it wasn't as visible. Like from software games, like Soulsborne games are not as visibly mainstream they win awards, they sell, they sell, they sell, you know, they sell very well commercially. But 
I felt like no Elden Ring's press coverage and popularity is going to have an impact on the industry. From Software has already impacted the industry with Souls games, Souls-like games. Look at look at Black Myth Wukong, look at Wu Chang Fallen Feathers, look at Lies of P. There's plenty of games coming out. I mean, they they created a genre. I mean, you go into you go into Steam and there's Souls-like games. And the mechanics are mimicked and the and the and the elements and the punishment and the currency it's all mimicked, you know. So I feel like they've already already done that. Yo, it's good Atwood. I haven't had time to finish Rise of Forbidden West. After I'm done with Elden Ring, uh, I will find it real hard to come back to Forbidden West. Yeah, playing Horizon Forbidden West right before playing Elden Ring certainly gave me a very, very different perspective on it. Guys, if you're enjoying the show, do me a favor. It's totally free to hit the like button as well as to hit the subscribe button. It helps out the video every milestone of likes. So if we could get 200 likes on the video, that would be stellar. Make sure and take the poll at the top of the chat asking, are you for it or against it? Live service in Elden Ring. And again, I believe there's good and bad ways to do live service. My theory of live service is that it's not, po- I don't think it's going to happen. I had theories about what I thought they were going to do with this game. And after playing it and exhausting certain parts of the map, I think it's very unlikely that my, my theory comes to fruition. Like, live service, those kind of games are money-making schemes for video games is what ruins them. See, I disagree. I think that's just such, a, such an overstated uh, premise. Diablo 3 is you wouldn't classify as a, as a money making scheme you wouldn't classify um, No Man's Sky in that regard or Elder Scrolls Online and these are all live service games that are continuing on that have very very fair and reasonable monetization structure and accessibility as far as like if you want to jump in there's plenty of live service games that are doing things in a way that you wouldn't describe as a money making scheme Right or or having what you're saying like a ruining effect on gaming. I'd rather play a Souls game than a Rogue because Returnal made me never want to play a Rogue again. Returnal actually, I, I to me is game of the year last year, no doubt. I liked it. I, I thought it was tremendous. I thought it was absolutely tremendous. Um, I thought it was so so good. Uh, oh, I clicked out of it. I hate when I do that. I hate when I click out of something. Oh, here it is. Every time I see an update, uh, this dude, I think, uh, uh, notebook, pen, robe, and glasses. <laughs> um, when, uh, when well-implemented, live service works, but the problem happens with developers carelessly tacking on. Give me an Elden Ring MMO and I'll never buy another game again, says Ashen. Parkour says, live service can work. It has to be well done, though. I do think they could easily build on this with more PvP options and new areas to explore, even some type of dungeon mode that is separate. Returnal Game of the Year, for sure. It's still getting awards into this year. Yeah, and I believe they're all very, very well-deserved. Live service makes so much sense in many genres. Why always build something from nothing when you can create a base and an engine uh, which upon you can build? And see, that was one of the principles I'd apply, I applied to my reasoning about Elden Ring. I was like, they built... And, and so you could square this. You could cut this two ways. I'm saying the game's too big. I'm like, it's so big. It's so expansive. No way. There's no way they're turning this into a live service game. You could slice it another way and say, that's exactly why they made it so big. They made it this big because it's a playground they intend on evolving and expanding over the next couple of years. 
Why wouldn't? Of course they made it that big. They want to do more with it. I think you could cut it both ways. I think one's more likely than the other. Yo, it's good 30. Roger with half a year of membership. The first time I played Dark Souls 1 seven years ago, it ruined me forever. I could not stand games like Skyrim or Assassin's Creed anymore. Still, I know they're good. Yeah, I think I still get the itch for action adventure, the simplicity of a go- those games. Even though, even though I I, I I do really pine for the the more challenging. Like as much as I complain, you'll never have that experience. You'll never have that height of emotion of of anger, frustration, and elation. You just don't have that in other games. You don't. Like I was so frustrated at the end of yesterday's stream, but I overcame it. I beat it and oh, got him. Right. There is no, the height of elation is in direct correlation to the depth of the frustration. That sounds like super big word, jam-packed, philosophically ridiculous, but I think it's true. I think the height of the elation is has a direct correlation to the depth of the frustration that you feel. The further down you go and the, the more frustrating you can get, the higher the sense of elation when you overcome it. And I think what more approachable, accessible, or easy games do is they're more in this spectrum, right? It's like, nah. I think this is why Horizon Forbidden West was dissonant and frustrating for me because it would randomly be, like, super frustrating. Well, it doesn't make my elation go super high. Why? Because that's not the relationship I have with the game. I don't have this relationship. We have this relationship. And when you're randomly doing this and driving me to a really, really deep sense of frustration, doesn't feel like it, right? Doesn't feel like beating it is this huge elation moment. No, we are fighting Radon today. If you are looking for Elden Ring gameplay, well, I mean, if you're looking for me to fight Radon, that's what we're doing today. That's, that's the second stream of today. Bethesda games have lackluster gameplay, in my opinion. I, I, I would say yes and no. It depends on what you're looking for. I have faith from software can manage to make a good live service if they decided to. Miyazaki has said they want to get into live service. Many people think it's going to happen with the next Armored Core game because that game would be more ripe for it. Right? Attempt to fight, you mean? Right, yeah. Attempt to fight Radon. I, I will defeat him. Don't worry. Maybe some of the Elden Ring live service potential lies in the possible PvP arena spots. Maybe some PvP arena only rewards and expanded content. Maybe even PvE Coliseum competition type stuff. Yeah, you know, like a like a survival mode or something with your buds. You go in and try and survive as long as you can and the enemies get progressively harder. That could be really cool. Like what they're doing with the Sisyphus Tower in Returnal. Right? If you're just tuning in... We are discussing my Elden Ring live service theory. I outlined this many times before, and the more I've played the game, the more I've explored the game, the more unlikely I think it is that I'm going to get my my way and that it's going to happen. I still think there are elements of my prediction that could come true, but I do think I was wrong. I think this game is far too big. I believe it'll be a self-contained new game plus experience, and they will more likely simply add new areas on the map as DLC with new bosses, new caves, dungeons, weapons, items, etc. It's going to be hard to go back to any open world game uh, let alone a Bugthesda Crabworks game after Elden Ring. 
The Crucible Knight, plus the Misbegotten you did. Yet another boss I've missed and need to go do now. Yeah, the combination was insane. Like, once I got on the other end of the fight and I analyzed what they did, I had a lot of respect for what they did. They throw a guy at you that's like crazy fast. You gotta be hyper-aggressive. Get rid of him quickly. But then the Crucible Knight, you have to be a lot more rhythmic and careful because greed is death against a Crucible Knight. You can't get greedy. It's one hit, get out of there. Like, dodge behind one hit. Dodge behind one hit. Like, oh, here comes three swings and a delayed fourth swing. Now you get to hit him once. Right? So, like, with Ishin, right, it's, hesitation is defeat. With a Crucible Knight, hesitation is victory. Patience is victory. Like, you cannot be aggressive with the Crucible Knights. It's very difficult. I'm sure there are people that do it, but in general... They created a dissonance in that fight, and I really respected it. The Crucible Knight ticked me off real bad. I was really angry at him, but I really respected what they did to the player at a mechanical level. They immediately put you in a position where you're on your heels, super defensive, gotta be equally aggressive, and then you fight a guy who puts you on your heels, and you gotta fight him like a tactician. Get your hit in and get out. You know, and I found that to be extremely creative and it led to frustration death and a huge loss of runes but it was well designed I think there were elements of what the crucible knight did that felt cheap sometimes it did feel like his reach I feel like sometimes their thrust I think it like they get some pretty gracious um, glide I would call it they get gracious glide it's almost like they glide further than the animation is supposed to go and it it, 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 it sort of subverts your anticipation and expectation which ends up feeling cheap I I don't know I don't know if what I'm saying is accurate experientially it feels like there are some enemies who will do a thrust in Elden Ring and they get this I call it a gracious glide the game is very gracious to the enemy their hitboxes are very gracious their tracking is incredibly gracious and perfect you know and they get this little gracious glide that takes their thrust and extends it beyond what you're expecting or anticipating and it ends up feeling like kind of like you're they're almost like they're cheating now again this could be me over analyzing in the heat of the moment it's tough to analyze things in the heat of the moment because your ability to observe is is diminished by your emotional state however i feel like it's happened a handful of times i'm like that thrust went way too far. Come on, right? Is it Radon time, guys? Yes, when we conclude today's talk show, we'll roll over into another stream and we're, you know, a minute or two from Radon. So we're we're going to jump into the deep end of the pool today, like right away. So it's true, actually. Elden Ring punishing is rolling away more than FromSoft ever has. They chase down, the chase downs are super intense. Yeah, they can cover ground incredibly fast. It's very frustrating. Because when you want to create those moments of respite where you're like, I need a break, I need to heal, the enemy's like, no, no, I'm not going to let you heal. And, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean, we do the same thing, right? You're not going to let the enemy, like, roll away eight or ten times and heal. If the enemy did that, you'd be like, what is he doing? And you'd run over and hit him. And be like, you're not healing. I've been uh, donating to the Elden Ring Ukraine charity streams because I feel like they deserve uh, to play and be happy like us. Uh, they should be doing this right now. Yeah, we've not done anything like that with uh, with the platform. We talked about it yesterday on Reforge Radio, but yeah. 
The enemy is simply like, no. <laughs> the huge bear is a lot faster than I would have expected. Yeah, the bear is very frustrating because he has a weird rhythm because he has like a, a really, he has really big arcing slams and movements and then he has this really weird thing where he turns and he lightly comes back and immediately dashes forward and the timing on that always trips me up I think there'll be story add-ons says Ketzer every Souls game had at least one except for Sekiro uh, but it's not a Souls game at all yeah no Sekiro stands apart yeah 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 nearing level 70 leveling is starting to be a pain now that I know what areas I should be specking uh, is there a way to respec attributes? Yes. Did you fight What's-Her-Face in the Academy yet? You fight her in the Academy, and then you can use a currency that you find in the world to respec at her yet. Screw the Grizzlies. I hate them more than any other enemies. The bear, you shouldn't run from it. Attack below. Yeah, there are enemies where... There, there are definitely Elden Ring enemies where they they punish you for trying to create space you're far better to be like attached to their hips or their ankles. And I know it feels cheesy at times, but it's true. It's true. See, what happens is they have movesets that don't happen if you're close. This is something that's really hard to remember. So they have movesets that only happen when you try to create space, and those movesets are incredibly frustrating because there's a speed element that ends up throwing you off, and then you get hit, and then you get caught in a you get caught in a stun lock, right? Because like they hit you with the first, well now they're close. So now their close proximity movesets proc, and you just get absolutely shellacked, and you're like, what the frick? So if you stay on top of them, you have to deal with fewer movesets, which means you're dealing with fewer animations, which means they're more predictable does that make sense a lot of the times the closer you stay to the enemy the better because you limit their moveset and when you limit their moveset you only need to memorize a handful of animations oh that's a delayed swing oh that's a swing that is followed up by two more oh that's a swing that's followed up by a jump you see what i'm saying like their moveset gets the minute you shrink their moveset they become more predictable and this is what ends up happening is, is people want to make space and kind of sit back and play passive and look for their opportunity. But when you do that, you make the enemy less predictable. You just increase their moveset. So now they might do something that looks similar to another move or similar to a close moveset and you misread it. And then you get slammed. Like, I'm learning that. It's like, dude, you've got to just hug them. Like, you know, welcome to Elden Ring. Hug their butt. Like, that's what you got to remember. You know, you're just butt hugging them, you know? <laughs> I killed the bear boss by mistake. He was so aggro, I got stuck on his side uh, in his behind leg ribs and just hammered uh, until I killed him. Yeah, sometimes they, the big guys get stuck on th- on stuff, for sure. The 180-degree insta-turn auto-tracking attacks can be a bit much at times. Yeah, the Crucible Knight does that. He does like the thing where he puts his shield down like this, and then he goes slowly, and then he goes boom. And, buddy, if you roll early behind him, his character will flip around and get you anyway. It's not like you can dodge early and get out of the cone. You know? You were unsubscribed from the channel? That's weird. There's like a cone that you think, oh, if I can get out of the cone, I'll be good. No. (laughs) He's going to track you 180 and slam you if you dodge early. Yeah, the tail covered the entire arena. Yeah, that tail swing is nuts. Your movement of respite is when you dodge and attack, and instead of taking your chunk of damage, you heal up. Do you notice I was doing that yesterday, Ashen? Like, he's beginning to believe. Like, I'm starting to learn. Like, okay, 
rather than roll back 10 times, create a football field of space so I can heal in peace. No. I'm going to roll out it I'm going to roll and instead of swinging, I'm going to heal and then you're going to turn around and then I'm going to have time to roll again. Watch the weapon not the hand. I've had to break so much muscle memory from Dark Souls and Bloodborne. I wouldn't consider that tracking you were rolling early. Right, but Eugene, when he goes down like this and I end up behind him and his character literally spins and does the animation like all in one frame almost, I mean, that's that tracking's a little... I would say that tracking's a little busted, right? Like, if I do a charge up and they roll next to me to get out of the way... My my tracking's not that good. Goodness gracious, my tracking's not even good that with with the Bloodhound weapon art. I'll go to do the teleport, and if they move, I completely miss them. So like, you know what I mean? Like I I, I don't want to say I don't want to say that the, the enemy can't have advantages, but some of the tracking that the enemy has feels a little like, eh. Come on, I got behind you. You should have missed. You know, if I'm charging up a sword impale and the enemy rolls behind me, I'm not going to turn around and do it. I'll slightly track them, but I'll probably end up missing, right? I'll be behind them. Like the camera will follow, but you'll end up missing. Their camera follows like a, I mean, it's like a magnet. If you unlock, you can rotate 360 degrees during a swing. Oh, right. But yeah, yeah. You still have that brute force habit. Yeah, I'm trying to usher in other 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 things. You know what's funny too, Eugene? As soon as I started trying to do more jump hits um, and more like dodge counter and more blocking instead of just rolling all the time, they they gave me a guy that punishes that. Like the Crucible Knight, you basically fight him like traditional souls. You roll, roll on his leg, roll on his leg, roll into him, roll into him. You can't do guard counter. Blocking, he's gonna he's gonna eat your stamina alive. If you're having a hard time remembering where the merchants are in the game, just kill them all and all their equipment will be sold at the round table. Yeah, we're doing Radon today, Chase. That means you rolled early. If you roll when his weapon begins to move, he's locked in his direction. Right, you gotta delay. I know. I'm not saying that I'm not making a mistake. I'm saying that the tracking seems a little ridiculous. It's both and. I have both made a mistake, and they're incredibly gracious and generous to the enemy. Like, I'm rolling behind you, bro, and your character flips around and gets me anyway. You could have hit him with blunt weapons to break his poise, I believe. Right, and the challenge there with that fight, Eugene, is the first guy was insanely susceptible to bleed, and he died super fast, and you gotta get rid of him quick. And then to suddenly get out a blunt weapon would have been really rough. I would have been, I probably would have been fat rolling and I, you, there's no way you can do it in the menu. Unless, unless I could have used the skellies to draw aggro and then I could have switched to a blunt weapon. That could have been potential. That being said, slight input lag makes it artificially difficult. I don't, I, I don't notice input lag. There are times where I feel like my, not, my buttons don't do anything. I'm like, huh? What is that? Like, what? Your equip load is low? Well, I have two equip load um, talismans, Eugene. So I certainly could have gone in with two weapons. I could have boosted my, my equip load high enough to probably go in with two weapons. Potentially. 
Like you should be able to carry a shield, sword, and blunt and not be fat rolling. Right. Merchants give you an emote to start random world quests. I'm here to hear uh, Lono say he was wrong. Well, really what I'm doing is I'm taking my argumentation about Elden Ring live service. I had like a whole theory. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, feel free to do that. Um, Feel free to do that. We outlined that theory leading up to the game's launch. And now after playing it, I'm like, I just don't know if they'll be able to do it because they would essentially have to. It would almost be like an entirely new game because the game is so enormous and so large that it would lead to, I think it would be almost like too too big too much bandwidth too much required right um that's that's what i think i i i think i think if they do it here here's 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 what i would say here's what i would say in regards to my theory the only way my theory still happens is if their first dlc is purely pvp and they don't do anything with the map or the world for like a year if they wait a super duper long time to do anything with the map in the world, then my theory might get some traction because I'm like, it's going to take them a while to do what I uh, what I think they're working on, right? So if they deliver something fairly quickly in the next couple of months, right, they have a new area of the map or whatever, then I think my, my theory will be pretty much shot to sunshine. It's just, no, uh-uh, not happening. They're, you know, they're not doing, they're not going to be doing live service. I just grabbed a couple YouTube videos that literally supposedly go through all the start of all the quests. So I think I'll find it. Oh, what ruins are you talking about? I'm not, yeah, I'm not, you might be talking to somebody else. Um, there's also way more mid combo change ups in Elden Rings that read, in Elden Ring that read your actions. Even Margit has nearly as many change ups as Ishin. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. It, it's not. Like, it's not like memorize their movesets and put a blindfold on. Like, they literally randomly respond to you in different ways. I think the most noticeable way this happens is if you have a very slow weapon and you get too close to some of these enemies, they have little interrupts that they do, little punches, little bites, and it's like they're directly responding to what you're doing. It can be very irritating. Like, every time you go to swing, the dog bites you. It's not their charge-up bite. It's like a little snip, and it's like, it's literally every time you press the button. Like every time I press the button, snip. Every time I push the button, some of these guys will just punch you. So you got to you got to make space before initiating the swing or they'll just automatically do an interrupt. More so than I ever felt in in Dark Souls 3. I'm loving the Uchi and the turtle shell. It lets me play slow and block with nice reach. Go to Mistwood. It's on the right side of the sp- Belvin, you find around the ruins, you hear a whistle. Oh yeah, he's telling you about how to do the starting the Blythe the Blythe quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did that. We did we did per, uh, parts of that um, yesterday. Dogs or wolves and souls always a strange attack. Both the wolves and the bear in Elden Ring have such odd attack patterns. They can get really passive, like all of a sudden. You're like, what are you doing? Why won't you attack? And then they only respond to what you do. They go like, the the, the bear will do almost the exact same thing that the wolf does. The bear will go from hyper-aggressive to just waiting for you to make a move. It's so, it's so unsettling. It's like disorienting. It's like, come on, bro. Take a swing. 
Something that people need to remember is that enemies have certain weaknesses. Right now, I'm on a dungeon where I'm using a blunt weapon instead of slash thrust. If you were struggling, sometimes it's changing the weapon. Yeah, I was in one of those caves, Akuta Papa. Where, like, if you're using your sword, you, like, clink off of them. It takes forever to kill them. You get out a blunt object, and you're, like, killing them, like, two or three hits. A lot of the bosses are coded to punish flask chugging. You need to either make space before or start chugging during their animation cooldown. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta heal. You have to heal in a mo- You have to create your own moment. Come on, Mono- Lono, don't you know you have to completely respect to a playstyle you don't like? Big hand monsters are also very aggressive. Yeah. The next tip for Bloodhound Fang I do is I put it on the lightest weapon like a dagger and I quick switch between it and my main weapon. Oh, so you can like do the do the teleport. Yeah, I I think I heard somebody saying that the other day. They use that as like their 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 panic to like get out of jail free. If you're just tuning in, I've been covering Elden Ring pretty extensively since before it came out. Every Friday is From Friday, dedicated to From Software. Now, we may cover Elden Ring throughout the week as well as play it, but we also cover variety gaming news. Now, before Elden Ring came out, I outlined a theory that it was going to go live service. They were going to change things in the world and the map as part of New Game Plus or like an optional New Game Plus because you would be an Elden Lord, okay? And I think that theory is more difficult to, to, to see as being probable, which is why I'm saying I think I'm wrong, in light of the map, the depth, the breadth, the size of the caves, the size of the dungeons, the number of enemies and everything. Now, I have said that my theory could still be possible and probable given the commercial success of the game. They may alter their strategy. And I think they could do it with, you know, randomized enemies, bosses in the dungeons or the caves, the world itself, creating instances of chaos where you would not do New Game Plus, you would do something called like New Game Plus Elden Lord, and the world would be more chaotic and crazy since you essentially got rid of the demigods and the runes. But again, the world might be far too big for that. That would essentially be like them building a second game, which they might. Because they spent all the time building this game, why not do more with it, right? That that I think that stands to reason, but it doesn't mean they're going to do it. So, if you're enjoying the coverage and the conversation, be sure to hit subscribe. Do me a favor, we've had a lot of people tune in today. Smash the like button. We could we could probably hit 300 likes if we if we put our minds to it. If we put our minds to it, 50 or so people smashing the like button would get us there. I don't know, I saw a video of you claiming that you could literally revive a dead NPC. Maybe I'm wrong, though. A video of me saying that? I, I've not made a video about reviving a dead NPC. I don't, I don't think I've made a video about that. I'm still impressed with how well Lono utilized the weapon art against Loretta. Really showcased how good weapon arts are. Who's Loretta? Um... Why are there nine dislikes? Why are you why are you even running the the app to look at dislikes? Who cares about dislikes? Like why does it even matter? <laughs> you have to be running a browser extension to even see those. Oh, you saw a different YouTuber. Okay. You can revive NPC only remove the hostile status if you attack them. The Magic Knight? Oh, the horse spirit fight. The blue horse that shot the magic. Yeah. Yeah, I danced on that guy. That was fun. Yes, yes. Yes, that was great. Because you can sometimes, if you time it right, your the animation gets you under their attack, and the teleportation 
creates an iframe, you're not in the world. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> and the swords just miss. It was it was it was hot. It was hot. And then I think the the real like you know the real like zen sage moment is when I realized, wait a minute. I don't have to hit him with the initial swing. I can use this to get to him cuz that stupid halberd or whatever he's using spear the reach. I was like, "Oh, I can miss with the first and teleport with the second." And I did that at least twice. And it was like, that was, that was pretty, you know, was, you know, whatever IQ, 900 IQ, is that the meme? It was a 900 IQ moment. It was like, I don't need to hit him with the initial attack. And that opens up a whole world of possibilities with that, with that moveset. I should have tried that with the, um, I should have tried that with the Crucible Knight. Just do the animation, trigger some aggro, he'll get close, then teleport and whack him and just see. You know, because once he's in movement, it's more likely to get through. It's smart to start clearing Lorania after Stormvale. I I mean, I don't know about smart. I mean, do what you want to do. I find map clearing to be very satisfying. I like being pretty beefy when I go into a boss fight. People are like, oh, you're going to be overleveled. You're going to be overleveled. If the fight goes a little bit quicker and I don't die, you know, 25 times, I die five times because I'm significantly stronger from all of my exploration, I think that's good power fantasy. You know? Now, the people that are doing really, really specific overleveling and using particular weapons and builds to see how quickly can I kill this boss, that's not one and the same as being slightly overleveled or exhaustively overleveled when you go into a boss fight. Do you see? Like, I think sometimes people hear overleveled and they think, that it's going to be like these videos that they're seeing where the guy goes in the room and he hits Margaret three times and Margaret's dead. No. No, 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 no. No. It's, it's, it's very, very rare that you're going to exhaustively explore the map and then go fight a boss and, like, hit him in three... You know, oh, he's dead. I hit him three times. Now, I've definitely had some mini-boss fights where... I really, really lean on the Bloodhound and the, and the and the and the animation, like the Weapon Ash, and I'm sorry, the Ash of War. I definitely lean on that, and I have certainly killed some bosses extremely quickly, like just one shot them, because I'm leaning on something. Because here's what happens: I think like the traditional Souls experiences, you go in and you just try to roll out of the way to learn their move set and then you just look for your opportunities to apply damage and you apply that formula now that formula is greater and lesser efficacious depending on the difficulty of the enemy as well as your skill of observation and application of learning on the fly so a lot of bosses take 5 to 10 or more deaths before you nail them and get them but when you strut in with something that can somewhat give you automatic power over the fight. Like, I don't have to learn all your animations and dodges. I'm going to get close. I'm going to do this weapon Ash of War and swing, hit you. Then I'm going to teleport, hit you again. If I hit you a couple more times, I might break your posture. I might put bleed on you. So instead of just having it to be this, like, more... Um... It's almost like an invisible tug of war. Like you go in and you just primarily rely on dodge to learn the enemy's move sets and animations. And then you just apply the formula of when I see openings, hit them. 
and hit them within the opening. Don't get greedy. That's how you get hit. And you just apply that formula over and over and over again in Dark Souls 3. Well, in this game, you go in, you're like, well, I mean, I'm going to do a guard counter. I'm going to jump and hit them. I'm going to use my Ash of War. And you break your, you, you, know, you break their posture and you, you, uh, you get a ton of damage. And I think that's where people look at it and think, oh, the game's too easy. You're one-shotting bosses. You're overpowered. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think some of it is more of like you're utilizing a broader set of tools that when wielded well create um, I wouldn't say ease but just efficacy you're very efficacious in the game you're like oh I'm killing these guys very quickly a good example is when you go into the areas and you're like you know Lono use blunt use a, use a blunt object I'm like okay I put the blunt object on and my broad tool set is having a direct you know correlation to to, to how quickly I can kill things found a path that lets you skip the entire castle and go right to Godric. I couldn't believe it. Once I figured out Melania could be staggered like a normal humanoid, that was it. Third attempt, melted her in two. Yeah, what's her face in the academy? I beat her my second try. I just, I absolutely obliterated her. I didn't give her, I didn't give her a second to breathe. I just kept using the weapon art and I mean, she, it just chunked her. And she was really, really stunnable. You could you could stun lock her pretty effectively, you know. I have no problem stun locking the enemy. I mean, they'd do it to me with reg, you know regularity. If any boss in Elden Ring killed you five to ten times, you'll never end this game. There's so many bosses in the game. I don't think so. With oh, I I beat her without summons. I didn't summon. I do one or two tries on a boss, and if I feel like the fight is very fair, I will not summon. She felt very fair. Like, I lost, but I knew I was like, oh, I've got her. You know when you lose and you're like, okay, I've got this now. I've got this. I don't summon in those fights. I summon when I feel like there's, there, there, it, you know, I, when there's something cheap going on or I feel like I'm getting kind of stun locked. That's when I summon. I'm like, all right, screw you. You want to be cheesy? I'll be cheesy. And I pull out the summons. Are you doing full blind with Radon, or have you watched someone fight him? I have not watched anybody fight him. I have no idea what he's going to do. I know when he starts in the video that they showed, he takes his two swords and like drags them along the ground, and like lightning is is hitting the ground or something. Um, is what you're saying is you all aren't Goku and won't wait 20 minutes for your for your opponent to power up? <laughs> yeah. Or you summon jellyfish or rotten stray and watch them die. First two big bosses only took me two tries. Yeah, it depends. It depends because, like, uh, I found Margit to be very, very challenging, and I wasn't quite leveled enough. So that's why I went. I went out and, and explored and and tried to get you know tried to get some um, tried to get some more level, get some more strength, and it made a huge difference in the fight. You know, and I, I summoned Don Godric. I thought, well, let's do it. I, I summoned Don Margit as well. Margit was the one. I'm sorry, Margit was the one I left and went and leveled. I might have said Godric by mistake. You only summon in gang fights. Yeah, when you're outnumbered and like getting hit one time means you're gonna get hit three or four more times, and basically it's like a death sentence. Yeah, I summon in those fights. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Screw you. You're giving me zero room to breathe. I'll, I'm summoning like. 
I have no problem. No problem summoning in, in a fight. In fights that are prone to stun lock, I'm going to summon. Because I'm like, that's just one of the cheapest ways to chunk health and, and kill a player is through stun lock. It's just, I think it's cheesy. A full mage is stupid busted. Yeah. I don't know when these reviewers got the game, but I doubt they got anywhere close to finishing it before their review. No, plenty of them beat the entire game. Oh, yeah. They, they had it for, I believe, what, like, was it 10 days or around that? For Radon, soloing basically requires you to use your horse after dodging his initial arrow shots. Radon's like a raid boss, and he's also like uh, Mother Swill from Armored Core. Don't need to scare you, but I just died to a dungeon boss. It's two Crucible Knights at the same time. Oh, gosh. Spirit summons are cool. That's why they're in the game. Any person telling you otherwise makes me angry. Yeah. The people being like, you summoned! You didn't really beat the boss! At which level did you beat Margit? I don't know. I think we were... Was I in the high 30s? You'd have to go back and watch. I think I was in the high 30s when I beat Margit. I think. I think. Remember, it's a festival. Enjoy yourself. Shut, shut up. Oh, oh man. You're only 29. I got some work to do. No way Lono solos Radon. I don't think I'm going to solo him, no. He can summon all he wants, says Eugene. Yeah, and then Eugene's gonna follow it up by saying, "And I can, and I can give him, and I can give him crap all I want." <laughs> it's not about the summon. I do like trying the fights first, you know, one or two times without summoning. I do, I do. I haven't seen a single uh, casual streamer solo Radon. Wait, you think I'm casual? You, you would classify my gameplay as casual the way my the speed with which I've beat bosses and progressed in the game I'm I'm casual I don't really care I mean you're not gonna hurt my feelings I'm just curious the reasoning what summon do you use for the bosses I have these two skellies I have these two skellies because they can get back up they got like spears I think the boss fight with two crucible knights is the worst two very aggressive guys with amazing reach and potential to stun lock you to death Literally had to summon to beat them. Yeah, their their fighting rhythms are so odd. Their fighting, their fighting, their fighting methods are very, very odd. From Lono is not casual. The fun thing about Radon is when the narrator introduces him, you uh, reduces him to introduces him to you before the fight. One of his sentences tells you the way to beat him. Oh, well, thanks for telling me that. Um. Compared to guys like Distortion 2, yeah, you're pretty casual. I mean, we're all compared to those guys. Oh, right. I mean, if you compare me on a spectrum to the guys that are, like, just really, really wild, well, then, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to compare for sure. I'm a, I'm a new convert, yes. Yeah. Not hyper-hardcore in that regard. I'm also not... Uh, I'm also pretty stubborn. I don't like changing my build. I've, I've only recently got more more open to the idea of constantly going in and changing my loadout depending on what I'm doing. In my opinion, non-casuals just wreck everything uh, 
naked with low level I might have a very high opinion here uh, you are the most fun Elden Ring stream though I am <laughs> why am I the most fun because I get angry and I and I get complainy I fought the two crucible knights and felt so accomplished winning that fight praise the mimic <laughs> Yeah. praise the mimic that's right <clears throat> you could fight Margaret at that level you can fight the enemies at any level if you feel like it. It's just going to take you a lot longer and be a lot more challenging. If you're just tuning in, we've been discussing Elden Ring live service. I had a theory about them turning this into a live service game, ongoing, evolve the map, etc. The more I have played the game, the more I think I was wrong. I don't think they'll be doing that. I think it's a bit too much to do. If you're enjoying the show and the conversation, remember, I am safe for work. You can click subscribe in confidence. I'll be here Monday through Friday. We don't just cover Elden Ring. We're going to be kind of pivoting back to more variety game coverage with the talk show. Every Friday, though, is from Friday, so you can trust and know that that'll happen. We'll continue to play Elden Ring in the afternoons anyway, uh, even if we pivot the talk show away uh, to other topics and other things going on in the gaming world. There are direct ways to support the channel. We did get some new members today. I'd really encourage you if you're enjoying the show uh, and you can do it. Membership started five bucks a month and it supports the channel directly. We do not run ads on the channel almost ever. And that's a great way uh, to make up for that, which is not something that we do. We feel it really disrupts the show. Uh, If you cannot do a membership, we understand that. Always make sure you're here smashing the like button, giving us like milestones. 30 more likes will give us 300. Make sure you're listening, lurking, subscribing. uh, Well, staying subscribed. Make sure your bell button's pushed. There are other ways to support the stream directly. Uh, Coffee orders have slowed down a bit. We did a huge sale in February on the holiday blend, and I think everybody's stocked up. But if you've never ordered our coffee, we have a light roast and a dark roast. This is not a sponsor, by the way. This is in my home. My wife and kiddos ship it to you. If you're a coffee drinker, everybody in chat will tell you how good it is. Uh, Very drinkable, balanced acidity. Very, very light undertone of honey, very sweet, but very smooth, bold, uh, and enjoyable. And that low acidity, the balanced acidity, I should say, really keeps the bitterness and the bite in check. A lot of people do cold brew, drink it black, a little bit of creamer. It's a very versatile coffee, very drinkable. So, And we do have sponsors, and the commands for the sponsors run down here. Uh, you can join as a member. My shirt's always from 80s Tees, disc plates, my glasses, all of that. Your gameplay stream is great and entertaining. Well, thank you. Um. Uh, not gonna new game plus. I'm definitely going to summon. Um. Hey, just tried to compare you to a guy that did the world record speedrun of 37 minutes. <laughs> I like watching play Lono uh, Lono play Souls games because he isn't quite yet a Souls fanboy, so he rages hard and critiques the game. Uh, the others just deal with it. Yeah, I definitely get into critique and criticism mode when I play for sure. It's ground coffee already, Danny, yeah. How expensive is the shipping? Shipping's not bad if you're within the continental U.S. If you're outside of the U.S., it's, 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 it can get a little pricey. Shipping got a little crazy, um, you know. Thank you for the $5 tip, Akuta Papa. You aren't using the Claymore, Claymore so yes, casual. Uh, Seamus says, your pace is casual, which is nice. I can watch your stream, and it's not like you're 200 steps ahead of me, only one or two, and then I catch up and pass in some other areas. It makes for a fun stream. Okay, well, thank you. Um, I'm on my last bag, says Zubair, ordering more in the next week. Thank you, Zubair. Oh, you're in Europe? Yeah, it, it's... it's. I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. It's it's not cheap. It isn't. You're, 
you're going to spend quite a bit to get it over there. And that's not anything that we have control over because, you know, obviously we can't eat the shipping cost. You have to have the consumer pay for the shipping cost and there's nothing we can do to like lower it. We've done our best to lower it. Like if you do one bag, we go first class instead of flat rate and it does help sometimes. Uh, Krill says, helpful tip. The game doesn't tell the player. If you open armor... Equip and press X or square on the chest, helm, glove, and boots. It will tell you its skill, higher value, set, have perk. I, it's, I'm having a hard time understanding what you said. It feels like you didn't use enough words. Um, there are NPC characters uh, that you can do all kinds of different things with, yet it doesn't tell you that you can. Yeah, I mean, they definitely obscure and keep a lot of things out of sight right i mean that's 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 part and parcel to a from software game they like to obfuscate things it's like no you know you got to figure this you got to figure this one out on your own you know it's we're not we're not going to make it we're not going to make it hyper obvious and i think that's okay i think that's okay i think there are times where i critique that and criticize that and complain and i think i do that in a fair way i think sometimes hiding things from the player is there's a there's a honestly there's a level of like unjustness to it it's like why why make this you know hidden from plain view why make this not you know something that i I, i'm gonna struggle uh to find and see it seems like you you do certain pieces of the content a disservice when when so few people find it or they're gonna have to find it by going consulting like a wiki and a guide but i do think there are times where it's really really cool the way that they do it it leads to those moments of organic discovery and feeling that sense of accomplishment and and it feels like you've truly done something like genuine not just like oh yeah go talk to larry in the cave and you go talk to larry in the cave he's like oh go talk to dave over there and you go talk to dave over there and you know those things can feel a little um it's just like fetch quest string of pearls like you're just kind of going along a predetermined path and you don't you don't feel a sense of accomplishment and a sense of what you've done, right? Int Dex builds one-shotting the boss on the first encounter. My strength build facing a boss no less than 500 times. I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Sorry my English are spelling, but the skeleton set, if you press X on it, you see it has health regen if you use all in the set. I noticed this last night that I got HP regen talisman. Oh, so there are effects on wearing a full set of something? I didn't know that. There are there so there are set bonuses in the game? When is Elden Ring live service? It's not. I theorized that it was potentially going to go live service and today's stream has been about why I think I was wrong. So if you're just tuning in, go ahead and leave your vote at the top of the chat. Over 600 votes. Elden Ring live service. Are you for or against it happening? It's it's pretty much split down the middle about 60-40, you know, between 60-40 and 50-50. 57% are for it. 43% are against it. If you haven't smashed the like button yet, do so. We're nearing 300 likes. Really nice, steady, strong turnout for today. Only certain armor, says Ashen. Okay. Crucible chest piece boost crucible incantations. Set bonuses are very rare. Some of the friendly NPCs died during my playthrough, but that's good because it means I have a reason to play again. Definitely trying to save them in my next game. 
I finished Reyna's quest last night and it was awesome since it really doesn't tell you to go here and do this or that. Yeah, I used a guide. I used a guide and people in chat were helping me because it was just like, I want to do it, but I don't want to sit here and, and bumble around and be in the dark. Like, the stream has to have a certain amount of, uh, you know, progression and success and movements, um, you know, else we else we feel it's a futile and wasted day, right? We, we, we definitely want to have both. I think those days of just wandering uh, and, and exploration, but then you also want to have those days where you you, you kind of like, okay, where is this, right? We, we did that with like the, okay, I cleared Limgrave, I cleared Mistwoods, I've cleared Learning of the Lakes as best I can. All right, well, where are the rest of the dungeons and the caves? And I use the interactive map. I'm fine with that. Like, everybody's different. There are people that are going to use the interactive map for moment one. There are people that are going to never use the interactive map. And then I'm kind of in the middle. It's like, I'm not going to use summons first try. I'm not going to use the interactive map first try. I'm going to do my best. And then after that, okay, this fight's not going to go my way. I'll summon. Okay, I can't find everything in this section. I'm going to use the interactive map. Do you see what I'm saying? Where do I find the girl that sells your magic towards the start? I forgot where she is now. Sells you magic? I'm so overwhelmed. I had to take a two-day break from Elden Ring. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I use a three tries rule. Right, you try the boss fight three times, and then you're like, all right, it's time to summon. I didn't, you know, yeah. Good pacing with quests on stream is nice and understandable why you use the guides, but nothing beats the experience of getting it at first time and blindly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> My first time finding certain NPCs and abilities and stuff, I-, I really enjoyed it. Like, when I found the weapon, like, the Ash of War guy, like, out there in that shed, I thought that was so dope. I that was really, really cool. I want to get that invader guy that showed up the one time. Do you have to go back there at night or something? Is that how you do that? Elden Beast is the worst FromSoft final boss. The game has a million dragons, but not one is as good or fun to fight as Madeir. A Waypoint Ruins, is that where she is? The game is both the best and worst FromSoft game at the same time. That, I don't, okay. <laughs> I don't understand why. I, that, that doesn't seem like a tenable position, but okay. I, 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 you know, I can understand being, being frustrated. Um, yeah, that might be some minor spoilers there. Um, you know, but I, I, I can understand being frustrated. I, I find the dragon fights to be, um, I find them to be pretty annoying. I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're particularly good. I don't, um, you know. That's just me. That's just me. I think they're long. I think they're kind of drawn out. They're real ankle bitey. They're, uh, I don't find them to be very satisfying. I don't. I think that they, um, they leave a lot, they leave a lot to be desired for, to be quite honest. I do. I think they leave a lot to be desired for. It's like you, you, you want to, I think you want to have this sense personally of, I call it finesse. And I, I know there's people that, that disagree with me. I know there's dis- people that disagree with me on this, but I want to have this sense of, you know, a- a- accomplishment and finesse. And sometimes I feel like the fights are so big and so drawn out that I don't feel like I accomplished a finesse. I feel like I kind of, 
Um, um, I feel like I kind of br- like not brute forced it. There's a difference between enduring a fight and finessing a fight. Like, well, I had enough health. I had enough this. I had enough that. I didn't really finesse the fight. I got my face cracked 18 different times. You know? Do you see the difference? I feel like there's a lot of fights up to now. I haven't finessed them. I endured them. Good to see you catching a rhythm on a few games. Thank you, Jimiford, for the $5 tip. And thank you, everybody, for smashing the like button. We're nine away from 300. Um, Anybody that did a membership today, thank you for doing that. Anybody who sent a tip through Super Chat, thank you. Um, the, uh, the support of the sponsors and the memberships and the tips are just a huge, huge element of, uh, us being able to continue to do this. So thank you. Don't forget if you like this talk show, we do a talk show around 3 PM Eastern every day over on our bigger channel called reforge radio. Yesterday we talked, you know, Russia, Ukraine. We've talked Joe Rogan, Ellen cancel culture. Today we'll be talking about Mr. Beast. And now some of his fans weren't happy about the fact that he went on Joe Rogan. And I want to kind of analyze it from a philosophical position. I've got an Aristotle quote that I think is pretty important to the subject. So make sure you're subscribed over there. Use the radio command if you like these types of talk shows. And maybe you enjoy more serious topics. We don't want to get into serious world issues, philosophical issues, cultural issues here, political stuff. We don't do that here. It's gaming and it's only gaming. This is your escape from all that crap. But if you want to have a sensible place to have those pieces of dialogue, make sure you're subscribed to the radio channel. We go over there in the afternoons, Monday through Friday. It's very similar to the vibe here, but a little bit more serious than what we talk about here. Because, you know, gaming can be serious, but not quite as serious as that. Parrying uh, Melina and demolishing her in less than eight minutes made me feel like a living legend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, when you finesse a fight, yeah, it's different than, like, outlasting the opponent. That's exactly right, Josh. Like... Yeah. It's like, I, I didn't finesse that fight. I just outlasted them. Like, I'll give you an example. I feel like I f- finessed Pontiff Sullivan in Dark Souls 3. I feel like I endured the dancer. So I loved and felt very satisfied with my defeat of Pontiff Sullivan. I felt as if I endured and just kind of outlived the dancer. I didn't find her particularly challenging. I didn't. I felt very similar about Cinder. I didn't feel like I finessed Cinder. I feel like I endured Cinder. So Pontiff Sullivan, Dragon Armor, um, the the Twin Princes, those are probably my three favorite fights from Dark Souls 3 because I feel like it was a finesse. I learned. I applied what I learned. I got better, right? And in that in that realm when that's lacking my satisfaction goes down i feel like i didn't do anything particularly great here uh or 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 fantastic i you know i i i didn't i didn't do anything that that felt like i achieved greatness i did something that felt like I just kind of survived. No, we didn't do Nameless King. Like, we didn't do a lot of the optional bosses or DLC. We're going to probably go back and do that another time, though. Would you say you finessed or endured Ishin or both? Both. You do not endure Ishin. You must finesse Ishin. But you also must endure him. Five hours. Five. 
Everyone explaining their OP build. Me with my stab it till it dies build. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you have to both endure and finesse Ishin because Ishin must be... You must play better than him. You must outplay him, but you also must endure him because he will wear you down to nothing. He will make you feel as if victory is not possible. There's a boss at some point I feel like uh, I have to outlive him or he's very high damage but weak. Just had to kill him before I ran out of healing. Yeah, I mean, there certainly are bosses that feel like a glass cannon. Like, I'll say this. Um, Renala of the Moon or whatever her name is in the, in the, in the Academy. I definitely don't feel like I finessed her. I feel like I, I kept her on her heels and just played super aggressive. So I suppose I shouldn't be a hypocrite. If I'm allowed to play aggressive and just beat them down... There are going to be fights where I have to endure the beatdown as well, to a certain degree, right? Just because you don't kill them with 10 tries doesn't mean they aren't finessable. Right, but it's not that they're not finessable, it's that they're also just endurable, right? Eugene, like, I'll just face tank this crap, right? I'll get through this, that's fine, whatever. And then you're, you know, you're able to, you're able to kind of, I, uh, brute force isn't the right word, but it's close. That's why Sekiro will remain the most satisfying of the games. Spellberry makes her useless. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even do that. I just beat the snot out of her with the Bloodhound. You know. The magician from uh, Stormfront Castle is now at the round table and he gave me his sword. Really? How'd you get him to go over there? I was stuck on Radan doing an indirect arrows and run method after many attempts I got fed up and raged at him with my katana GG easy you played to her weakness you got through but it was sloppy and it didn't feel good that's exactly right Sean that's exactly right and maybe that's me being um maybe I am being too persnickety or too demanding like every fight can't have that result right like maybe I'm being unreasonable like every fight can't feel that good I'm probably being unreasonable it's like well dude sometimes you're gonna have a fight that's like super sloppy and you you barely win by the skin of your teeth some fights are gonna feel maybe a little bit more face tanky that's the game bro every game every fight I'm sorry cannot have this this feeling of like excellence and finesse like sure every fight is finessable but I think one of the challenges is your loadout and your play style are going to put you into a lane where not every fight feels like you can finesse it unless you completely change your stuff completely change your loadout and completely change your approach which sometimes is harder than just pushing through and kind of brute forcing it with your current build and muscle like, you see what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's easier. Like, well, rather than switch my loadout and retrain my muscle memory, I'm just going to kind of brute force this with my existing build, and it'll be sloppy and not that satisfying, but I'll get through it. So some of it's on me, right? Some of it's on me. It's like, well, that that's that's yours. That's a self-inflicted thing. Some of them you're just going to stumble through, right? 100%. Sex, easier on foot. Less dives and range, easier punishes. At the moment, we're assuming 150 is the PvP level meta. I believe that's what people have said. Yes, the mid, the mid to low 100s. I thought, I thought it was 125, but people have been. I've been seeing 150. I don't do PvP, so I couldn't tell you. 
I find a lot of people are missing different areas in the castle. Even Cowboy missed out on them. It's tough to investigate the castles. It is. Because the minute you start to get chunked and you start losing your, your flasks, you you have to go and, and rest. And when you do that, it resets all the enemies and it can make it a bit of a slog. I'll be sloppy and not that satisfying, but I'll get through. Lono's date prom night probably. Shut up, Zubair. You seem to latch onto that statement as if it felt familiar to you, Zubair. I mean, I'm just gonna—I'm just psychoanalyzing. Ooh. It's gonna be higher, says Ashen, 150 to 200. How are you only level 47 with 46 hours? Wait, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? I don't think I'm 47, am I? I thought I'm a lot higher. I'm in the 60s, are I not? You might—you must be talking to somebody else. If you YouTube PvP Elden Ring, it's so dumb. One joins, two camps waiting, so it's 2v1, and the two are so insane geared, there is no gear level match. Yeah. I do see innuendo everywhere. I may have a condition. That's what she said. No, someone in chat. Okay. I have the same thing. Like, in Horizon Forbidden West, for example, when I take too many hits, I feel like that's not how Aloy would have done it. I feel like I'm letting the character down. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I know people disagreed with me on this, I think there are valid criticisms of the combat rhythm in Forbidden West. I think there is, there's too much spam, a little too much range from the enemies. Not, I'm not saying enemies shouldn't have range attacks, but like, like every enemy has a range attack to the point that I'm expecting a butterfly to shoot me with a rifle or something. Like every enemy has range. And I also think attack frequency is off kilter in that game. Every enemy's attack frequency is like all the way turned up. They hit you, and then they immediately hit you again. It's like, where, where? there's got to be attack frequency here. You can't do that. You can't literally spam. And it, it's compounded by how long she lays on the ground. These stun lock moments are far too frequent in Forbidden West. Um, so... I'm loving the combat in the game on hard. Yeah, I think the combat in Forbidden West can be very good, but I think there are elements of it that are not that are designed poorly. It's all about immersion, and when you play bad, it kind of kills the immersion. It's like when you do a quick time event and you keep failing the quick time event. Like you keep missing the jump at the very end of the quick time event. Yeah, it murders the immersion. Like the building's blowing up around you, you're running, you're running, and then you jump and miss the jump. And it's like, you got to do it again. Well, it, it kind of kills the intensity because you know everything that's about to happen. Complain about spam. Isn't this uh, literally a Dark Souls stream? The spam in Dark Souls 3 is nowhere near the spam in uh, in Elden Ring. There is some spam in this game, boy. They spam you sometimes, man. They don't let up. It's annoying sometimes. Elden, uh, Forbidden West isn't that great of a game anyway I'm glad Elden Ring came out right after I actually think Forbidden West is a very very good game I think it's a game of the year contender I do I think it, I think it contends for game of the year um, if right um, I don't know I think I think if Elden Ring wouldn't have come out I think Forbidden West would have been the lead would have been the front runner Getting hungry with all this spam talk. (laughs) 
I'm really enjoying Horizon Forbidden West. I like my handheld and I love my world. <clears throat> yeah, that definitely is a game that's going to hold your hand and tell you where to go, for sure. Those spider teleporting enemies with the poison are the worst spammers. In Forbidden West? The spam's a real downer. It stings knowing you're dead two seconds before you're dead. Yeah, it's just over. You're just like, yeah, it's over. I got snagged in a stun lock. Yeah, right? Yo, it's good, Sven. The amount of times certain enemies have killed me while on the ground is one of the few frustrating things I've found about the game so far. Are you talking about Forbidden West? Those magic pot spamming knights attack suck. They have insane tracking. Yeah, some of the magic tracking is nuts in Elden Ring. Those guys that I was messing with yesterday, they were throwing the blue stuff on the ground. The tracking on that was crazy, like bending around corners of walls and stuff. The stalkers, the stealth puma-looking things. I thought they were like monkeys. I'm waiting for Wonderlands and the new Final Fantasy. They may be trash as well. Game of the year could go to anyone at this point. I don't know. Horizons Forbidden West and Elden Ring are very different takes on the open world formula. I like both because both deliver on their goals. I agree with that, Fuzzy. Like we were saying earlier this morning, I want a game to be excellent in its genre and in its context. So I don't want Forbidden West to try to do what Elden Ring did. You know what I'm saying? I don't want Horizon Forbidden West to be like what Elden Ring has attempted to be. I don't want that. Horizon Forbidden West needs to be an excellent open world action adventure game. It doesn't need to be a foreboding, cryptic, open world from software game of discovery. It wouldn't be a good game if they did that. It would be breaking out of its mold to a a fault. It wouldn't be a good game. This is why people say, oh, it's a bad game. It's like, no, you don't like it. Horizon Forbidden West is excellent in its context and in its genre. It's excellent. If you want an open world action adventure game, it is at the top of the shelf. It is. There's very few games right now, open world action adventure, that are on par with Forbidden West. That's a fact. I don't care what you think of the game. Measure it objectively on what it does and what it offers. Do do it. I don't care what you think about the art or the subjectivity of the enjoyment. Forbidden West is at the top shelf of open world action adventure games. But if it would have tried to be what Elden Ring is, it wouldn't have been very good. You want games to be excellent and high value in their context and genre. It's it's more extreme, but like imagine like a fighting game trying to be like Elden Ring. It wouldn't work. It'd be like, you're a fighting game. What are you what are you doing? Right? The conflation of I don't like it and it's not good is at criminal levels. I got up this morning and had coffee with a friend and I think I used my voice too early in the day we're getting scratchy do you think Elden Ring will have a rippling effect on future open world RPGs like Breath of the Wild did yes yep Mm -hmm. I could even see I could even see a game like Horizon Forbidden West offering a um I don't know what you would call it like a discovery mode 
where all that stuff's turned off on the map. You only discover something if you literally stumble upon it. You only discover something, someone, or some quest if you actively go and do all the talking and all of the exploring. Like the HUD would be gone on the map. It wouldn't show you where the enemies are. It wouldn't show you question marks. You'd have to find them on your own. I could see open world games going that route and saying, listen, we know that's something that people are finding that they enjoy. We know. We are we are now offering a discovery mode where all that stuff's turned off. I, I could see games doing that. And then a lot of people are going to be like, I don't want that. That'd be horrible. But there'd be other people that'd be like, listen, I think Forbidden West's good looking game. Combat's pretty satisfying, but I don't want all that crap on the map. I don't want my handheld. I want to have my own discovery. They do that as in a setting for it on Zero Dawn? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, Greenside. No. The less guidance mode doesn't turn all that stuff on the map. That is not true, because I picked that version and it didn't do that. My map still has a thousand icons on it before I even get there. Horizon Forbidden West has too much going on for something like that. According to you, somebody else might think, no, I, I, I want all that turned off. I don't care how much is on the map. I'll find it in my own time. You know? I could see a game with less doing that. No, I could 100% see an Assassin's Creed or Forbidden West doing it. And I could see... I could see people saying, like, what you're saying. Oh, there's far too many things. I don't want that, right? What if you could toggle it, right, Eugene? You go into an area... And you could toggle it and say, well, I've done my best, so I'm going to turn this off for a little bit and find all the remaining things. You know, you could, you could have it, you could have it be like a, like on a spectrum almost. You could have a filter so you could turn off what you don't want to see. Yeah, make it toggleable. You know, I cleared as much of this map as I possibly could. And you could go into like a, um, you know, I don't know, um, you know, fog reveal, toggle off. So any areas you had explored and got rid of the fog on the map, they would show you what's there. And then you could go get it if you want. And then you'd turn it back off because you're like, well, I'm going into a new area. I'm going to turn this off. The amount of NPCs, side quest jobs, ETC, I can't see it working. Why? You would just wander around the village and make sure and talk to everybody. Again, if that's the kind of player you are, that's what you would do. Now, I see what you're saying. The sheer quantity of the NPCs. Like in Elden Ring, you go to an area and there's like one or two people that you talk to. Not 15, you know? So sure, sure. It, it, it would feel overwhelming, but there might be people that like that. They're like, bro, let me go to the town and walk around and talk to people if I feel like it. I'll talk to a couple, then I'll go do some stuff. I'll come back. Maybe I'll talk to some more people after a while. I don't need all these icons flashing in my face. You know, came to town, talked to the cook. I didn't talk to the guy down there at the rumble pit. I'll talk to him later. Instead, they're like, people flashing exclamation points. Go and talk to everyone. And some people are just like, I don't know, get out of here. I'll do that when I find out. I might never do it. I definitely think there are people that would enjoy that. You know, I'm just going to wander around the town and talk to anybody that'll talk to me. And then 
you know quests would happen and and um you know discovery would be more natural and organic i do think you're right though eugene that the the sheer quantity of npcs and side quests and stuffs might make that unenjoyable after a while like gee many christmas you know would you like to add to your collection of checklists yes please <laughs> um big howdy everybody what's good captain toasty buns I'll be honest I don't ever really pay that close attention to the soul storylines uh, they're so morbid and cryptic it's hard to keep up what are my f- three favorite open world games of all time Elden Ring Breath of the Wild and Assassin's Creed Origins those are my three yeah Elden Ring Breath of the Wild and Assassin's Creed Origins just wonderful experiences I loved all three of those I've loved all three of these games very very much runner ups would be like Zero Dawn Forbidden West um (laughs) I forgot Ghost of Tsushima. Do you want to know why I forgot Ghost of Tsushima? I don't think of Ghost of Tsushima as like an open world game. I don't. I, 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 that game is in such another category for me. Ghost of Tsushima is up there with like Returnal and Hellblade as like artwork that speaks to my soul. So I don't think of it as like best open world game. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Hell- Hellblade, Returnal, and Ghost of Tsushima are like medicine to me they spoke to me and did things for me at a time where I needed it like they're like spiritual for me <laughs> do you know what I'm saying like Ghost of Tsushima is in another category for me same with Hellblade same with Hellblade they're not to me it's not like Ghost of Tsushima is not like oh it's one of the best open world games no 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 Tsushima is living art that I get to experience and enjoy like it's in another category same with Hellblade same with Returnal they're exceptions to like so much to, for, for me personally Hellblade is I always argue that I think Hellblade is one of the most near perfect games ever created like No Country for Old Men is one of the most near perfect movies ever created it's a category of one I mean yeah, kind of I can't help but feel like Hellblade 2 is going to disappoint you a bit they have said that Hellblade 2 is going to make the first game seem like an indie title. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. I think it'll be a different than a disappointment, Sven. I think it's going to be amazing and I'm going to love it. But it might, it might not hold the, the same special place. We'll see. We'll see. I'm in a different place now. So the psychological experience will be heightened, I think, by my... Um, by my uh, it's not an arrival but it's an ascension, right? Of of where I've gotten, of where I've arrived, of where I've landed. I'm not I've arrival sounds like you, I'm I've, I've arrived, I'm here, I'm done. No. It's more of an ascension, an ongoing ascension. And so I'm in a place where I think it'll hit so so hard and so good. I'll probably I would not doubt if when I play Hellblade 2, there'll be times where I'll be, I'll be crying on stream. I I do when I play Hellblade 1, I get emotional. I I got I got like sometimes I need to like step away. So powerful. And so good. 
They're, they're your categories. You can do with them how you like. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, so like, I have a category of... Like, I don't even know what I would call it, Zubair. It's like... I would call it like personal excellence. Because it hits a level of excellence that's that's personal for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you might play Hellblade and Ghost of Tsushima and Returnal, and you might be like, yeah, it's an excellent game. But it's not personally excellent. Like, Hellblade spoke to my soul and, like, did things for me. Like, it, it was it, it was a moment playing that game and replaying it, right? Playing through Ghost of Tsushima and, um... The, the there was a there was a time where I I didn't even realize I was doing it. It was like it was almost like a um, there was this sense of um, what do you what do you do when you're doing it? It's um, uh, let me see if I can find it. It's when you're doing like the meditations, right? Um, uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. I, yeah, I can't find it. I, t- I tweeted it. I tweeted it, and I can't find it. Um, how do you how do you spell uh, how do you spell haiku? Yeah, I'm spelling haiku right. Uh, is it got the word ripple in it or stone? I can't think of. I can't find it. I can't. I can't find it. Um. It's weird because I don't know since I've changed my Twitter handle that might be part of the part of the problem. That might be part of the problem. I'm trying to find it and I'm I'm looking under my old. Um, I, I probably have to look under my old username. Um. Uh. No, I need to search for probably. Uh, Sushima. It was interesting. It was interesting that I didn't. Um, yeah, it looks like I might have tweeted it when I was under presents. No, I. I'm so frustrated that I can't find this because it would be so poignant for the moment, and I can't. I can't find it. I tweeted out like a really, really meaningful haiku from Ghost of Tsushima. Like I tweeted it out. Because I wasn't even paying attention to what I was clicking on. It was like subconscious because you can click on the things, the affirmations and things you want to like meditate on in the game. And after I did it, I was like, holy frick. It was so meaningful. Um, and so on. The, it was so like there was so much purpose in it. And so like for me, there's like a personal level of excellence in those games. With Returnal, like the achievement of going back and beating it. Um, was almost an allegory and it was like allegorical to my to my journey of like continuing to try to do the same thing over and over again and finally doing it finally having success finally rising above finally I love the name of what they're doing with Returnal like Ascension it's like that's such a good word right like she says it like she says you know about we, we, we don't learn to uh, to learn to live with our, our demons we, we have to rise above them it's such a transcendent experience that you don't think of it as a video game. No, yeah, I don't. I think of it as an extension of my journey. 
right? It's 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 not a video game to me. It's like I didn't play Ghost of Tsushima and play a video game. I didn't play Hellblade and play a video game or Returnal. Like when I went back and played Returnal and connected the dots of Don't Fear the Reaper and and had that run where I went all the way through and beat it. it like that is that was an extension of my journey. It was a me beating Ishin after five hours is is an allegorical experience of my journey of you will not defeat me i will continue blood sweat and tears and be victorious and it's it's almost spiritual it's like when you have when you have that experience when i beat ishin it was there is something deep it changes you like it has an impact on you that's why those games are in in their own category for me same with hellblade I don't think I've ever had that experience with a game. I mean, it's super rare, man. I it, and it's got to be the right game. It's got to be the right time. It's almost like the the alignment of planets. It doesn't like going through what I went through, and nobody knew what was going on when all the crap was happening on in the background, and I was still on purple. The second time I played Hellblade, I I, I at the end of the stream, I couldn't talk. I shut my camera off and was just, and I just wept at my, at, at my desk. The idea of like battling internal demons and the, how alone Senua is and how like the, how her internal damage caused her to be an outcast. It was like, it was too real. It was too close to home. It was like right close to the chest. It shot me right through the heart. I literally shut my camera off. And so that's like a moment of like, it was super impactful to be like, she gets through it. She's okay. Like, so you're going to get through this. You're going to be okay. And that was obviously before everything super big, crazy, serious happened. That was when it was still percolating underneath the surface, like the private attempts to, to hurt and harm me. And then when I played Ghost of Tsushima, I was streaming on YouTube at that time. And the idea that he's amassing these people to help him seek revenge and he's going against his beliefs he's going against the way of the samurai because it's right and that really spoke to me because at the time my soul and my heart desired for vengeance and revenge and that's very much an abandonment of what i believe and so I got to live that out and experience that and the sorrow at the end of of Tsushima of being like this is the result you have you, you you were victorious you did successfully have your revenge but what what you have to do at the end and the, how beautiful and sad it is is just it was such a picture of like this is why you can't go down the path of revenge this is why you can't go down the path of vengeance it will lead to victory stained by sorrow so like again to me, Tsushima is not just a video game. It's an extension of my journey. Like, it spoke to a part of my soul that wanted something that I know I can't have. This is kind of self-centered way of viewing gaming. But is that a problem? I mean, I would, I would say that anytime you experience art, there's a self-centered aspect. When the lyrics of a song speak to you, when a movie inspires you or makes you cry, like, that's a self-centered way of watching it. It's a, it's a it's a, a um, it's a transformative experience. Like you're opening yourself up to say, "I'm gonna let this impact me. I'm gonna let it in." That's I mean, come on. I I described 
beating Ishin on stream, the, like that was a that was almost like a spiritual experience for me. Like it was transformative. It was t- to me, to me, like that's why I love Sekiro. Like I I hate elements of Sekiro, but I have to love Sekiro because it's so important to me. It was it was Sekiro has I think snuck into the list. It has. Now that I think about it, Sekiro has snuck onto the list. It's up there with Hellblade. It's up there with Returnal, Ghost of Tsushima. It's up there because it was transformative for me to put myself out there, and it was uncomfortable, and it was challenging, and it was like it it almost it almost broke me. It almost broke me, and knowing what that's like in reality and overcoming it, it is. You can't is again. It was like it was like and and letting people see that side of you, right? The frustration, the anger, the the like the morale break. It was like I, I'm so morale broken. I had disappointment. I was like, I can't believe I'm mad that we played this game. I wish we'd have played something else. But I pressed through it and I kept going, right? I just kept going, and I beat it. And and putting that in front of an audience to say. Here's every part of me. Here's the worst aspects of me. The the defeatism, the sadness, the anger, the complaining, the whining, but the endurance and the grit and the fire. That's that's why I think the people's view of other people right now is so false and fake. Like you are all of those things. I am a complainer and a whiner, but I'm also somebody with endurance and grit. Like I will not be beaten. Like I'm both. I'm not just one or the other. And that's what I think is so wrong with the binary, polarized way that we view reality. You're either a scumbag or a saint. And if you try to maintain that projected image, it will kill you because it's not real. The side of you, the parts of you, the real parts of you never get to come up for air. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to choke and they're going to die. And this fake version of you will just be a husk that the world consumes and hopefully continues to love. Because if it's ever rejected, you have nothing left. That is why I love Sekiro. <laughs> we just it got super deep. It just got super deep. But I'm serious. I'm serious. That's why I love the fact that we dug in with From Software Games. That's why I love the fact that we did this because it it's 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 been so analogous and it's run parallel to the, to the journey that I've been through and you guys got to see it and experience, you know. And I do. I get I get complaining and whiny and angry. I just do. That's just that's a part that's that's the weak part of me. It's the weak side of me. I think I've had those moments in movies, scenes that reach in and grab my soul and left fingerprints. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It, it, it is a movie that did that to me. I always remember the moment. I'll never forget the moment. I will never forget the moment that the house is falling apart on the beach. I, I, I cry every time. It's so sad. It's so sad. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> but it's so sad. And it's to see sadness as, as, as being laced with beauty. Oh, my gosh. That is... That's a gift. A movie that can give you that as a gift. Whew. Excellent. So well done. Your grit has inspired me to have more grit. Oh, well, I mean, at 
so I did a podcast recently, Zubair, with uh, with Andrew Schwab, and a lot of you guys may have not heard it. You should check out Pioneers Podcast on on Patreon. Go to the highest level if you want to hear the whole thing, because I talk about how I never understood why people told me my journey was inspirational. It never made sense to me until I heard Joe Rogan talk about UFC fighters who complain after a loss. And you're like, how in the world are those two connected? So I said this on, on the podcast with, with Andrew, and I saw whet your appetite to go to go support his podcast and, and go listen to the full episode. So I basically said that it it finally clicked for me because um, Peterson Jordan Peterson was talking about teaching your kids to lose well because there's a bigger game beyond that game, and it's the game of life. And if they can't lose well, they will become a terrible, tyrannical person, right? If they're if they're spoiled and every failure, every loss isn't their fault, holy moly, that's bad for them. And so he's talking about losing well, and um, obviously. Rogan's got experience with this in in UFC and he basically says that anytime fighters didn't do a good job at losing thank you for finding the tweet by the way fuzzy anytime they did a bad job at losing and would whine and complain the fans would be ruthless and merciless and very angry and disappointed they always loved when someone could lose with grace and Peterson said well why why would they be so you know wouldn't they also be disappointed and angry if they lost? And he said, this is how, this is how, kind of how I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Rogan said that the reason people like to see somebody go out there and put their body on the line and fail, but get back up and accept it well, he said, because it's heroic. And that speaks to people. I can get through my crappy, crummy day life, if you're dealt a crappy, you know, a a crappy hand of cards, cancer, death in the family, whatever, you can get through that. It's because if you see somebody else do something heroic, then you're like, I can get through it. And that's when it clicked for me. I was like, why would anybody look at the crap and the valley of darkness I had to walk through and find that inspirational? It sucked. It was horrible. It's been good, for my soul and my heart like I'm, st- I'm 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 a different i'm at a different level of endurance and and strength and resiliency and my marriage is better my relationships are better everything in my life has been enhanced by walking through a purifying fire of loss okay but i never understood why would somebody watch that and be inspired by that and it was like when rogan said that it was like all of a sudden the pieces came up and clicked it was like people are watching me do something heroic that gives them hope that they can be heroic if they face it or while they're facing it or when they know it's coming. Loss and tragedy and sadness will visit you. And when you watch somebody walk through it and have like a heroic grit stalwart attitude, you're like, I can too. He's just a normal guy. He's got a wife. He's got kids. Had all this happen and he kept going. I can keep going. So when Rogan said that, boy, it clicked, and I, I talk about that on the podcast with uh, with Schwab over there on uh, it's on it's on Patreon Pioneers Podcast. So, and thank you for finding this. This so I don't remember clicking these things, but when it put it on screen, I was all I it's it, as it says when when Samwise looks out 
and sees a star that's not touched by the darkness, it smotes his heart. That there's something beyond the darkness that, that, that cannot be touched by it. And that's what this haiku did. It smote my heart. It said, Resilient and strong, a lone pebble alters fate, rising from the depths. And when I read that on screen in, in, in Ghost of Tsushima, it literally spoke to my soul. It was like, if you're resilient and strong, a lone pebble, the smallest thing, can create a change of fate and can then you can then rise from the depths. That right there, I, I really appreciate you finding that fuzzy. I absolutely love that. That is, and I don't even remember picking those words. I think I was just subconsciously clicking through and picking little things that I liked. And when it put the haiku together, it was, I it again, it was like a spiritual experience. So that is a is a big long. I mean, it, 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 it this is tangentially related to Elden Ring. That is why some of those games are in a unique category for me. So when somebody said, what's your favorite open world games? I didn't say Ghost of Tsushima because Tsushima is in its own, just it's in its own special glass case in my heart, man. And yeah, you're getting a slight, (laughs) you're getting a slight sampling of what we do on Reforge Radio. Uh, We do get, we, we can get deep philosophical and meaningful here, but generally speaking, it's just gaming. And we did, we just did some, that, that felt like therapy to me, but if you if you liked that side of, of, of me and the conversation and, uh, and and you think that that could be something you'd enjoy, we try to have conversations similar to that and and like that over on Reforge Radio. So you can use the radio command in chat or just like this channel, Reforge Gaming. Just look for you know Reforge Radio uh, on YouTube because that I didn't I did not intend to talk about that this morning, but you know we 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 just did. It just kind of happened. Um, that's why I love the live environment. Um, you can't you can't really always predict. What's going to happen? You know, you can plan, you can plan your ways, but your steps aren't, you know, <laughs> always necessarily guided by you. That should be the first Reforge shirt. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Um, How did you find that? I just, I don't understand why I couldn't find it. Um, I'm just going to hit it with a retweet. It's called the Headband of Defeat. <laughs> the Headband of Defeat from Ghost of Tsushima. Every once in a while, I go back and read that. I'm steering it's time to turn Sirius Zubair off again. Waffles, a $5 tip from Dan. I felt a deep connection to Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> there it is. There's the humor segue, perfectly executed with a $5 tip. Uh, If you guys have enjoyed today's conversation, show, and discussion, it is safe for work, even though it might get a little serious, but it is safe for work. I try to put on a great radio show to fill your day with some value and some goodness. Um, So, oh, you had to use advance. Okay, thank you, Fuzzy. Um, So if you enjoyed today, whether it was the Elden Ring discussion about live service or whatever, a free way to support what I do is to smash the like button hit the subscribe button and stick around because we're going to go fight Radon in Elden Ring in just a few moments. So don't go anywhere. That's going to be, that's, that that should be excellent after this discussion. (laughs) You're going to see the best and worst of me in that fight. Holy moly. I've heard it's pretty tough. In any case, 
I'm going to take a brief break. I'm going to run upstairs and use the restroom. I'm going to check on the fam, see what they're doing. I am going to run some ads. Keep in mind, we almost never run ads. So consider doing a paid membership. That's a great way to support the channel every single month for five bucks. It is a direct way to support. And the larger that membership gets, the more opportunities we can have and the more I can do, the more freedom I have. Um, And so, again, we don't run lots of ads and that's a great way to make up for it. So, uh, subscribing is free, but clicking the join button or using the join command is a great way to support directly or order some coffee. We've not sold any coffee today. You could be the first coffee order. All right. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Radon was the least one I've had in Elden Ring. Was so glad when I beat him. Really? All I do is play Elden Ring when I'm not working. Um, watch gaming and radio show every day. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I really do. 
feel like. my uh had to get my cable in case the battery gets low like that would be the worst like be in the middle of a fight and have that alert pop up yo another new member Gorthysis coming in thank you so much enjoy the dope badge and emotes, you are dope and deserve dope stuff. Four new members today. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that. We really, really do. I, I, we, my philosophy used to be like, don't ask for paid memberships and things like that. It'll just happen on its own if you're making you know, a great show and a great show of value. But the challenge is, is there's just not that... Um, there's not that membership you know, paid subscription, paid thing over here. That culture is not necessarily here. Um, um, and so we kind of have to foster that. We kind of have to put that on people's radar. Like, hey man, if you've ever tried to go and watch a live stream on purple, it just, you get obliterated with ads, right? <laughs> and we don't do that over here. Like, I could make it really, really disruptive and hard for you to get into the stream. And we don't do that. We don't believe in that. And so, we kind of need the, uh, kind of need the memberships, you know, to pick up that, uh, that slack. So, to, to, because again, we, we could hit you guys with ads, like, I could do it every 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, and, and, but I don't want to, because I think that's way, way too disruptive. I don't think that's a good way to treat uh, your live stream. Uh, let's see. Elden Ring gameplay. Uh, Radon fight. Alright, live. No. They put the schedule button on Twitter, like, right next to the emojis. And I find... That I'm, I'm, I, I typically am clicking the wrong one. Don't be afraid to ask for membership. It just, it's a shift in my approach. I used to never do that. Um, I used to never do that. You know, it's, it's a, it's a shift. It's a shift. 
and I think it's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, it's just, it's just the reality of where, where you know, it's just the reality of where we are and what we're dealing with. You know, we've, it, if we wouldn't have lost so much, I probably wouldn't feel that way. It would, a lot of it would be automatic, but we've, we've suffered pretty significant losses and we, you know, we got to have that climb. We got to climb, have that climb out, you know? Okay. Um, let me do this. And then let me do... That's a good song. We'll do this. And then we got to turn on the right cap card. Okay. I'm going to put a link in chat of where we are heading. And if it do- it should redirect you and bring you with us to the next stream. If it doesn't, click the link in chat or just go back and refresh the page. It should be the featured video. It's simple math. If you like the content, provide funds for it to continue. I'm getting value out of this. It's not charity. Right, right. And I get it. Times are tough right now, so not everybody can. So I don't want anybody to ever feel bad if they're not. If you're lurking and listening, that generates growth for the channel as well. That gets more people in the door. That's more potential members. So it all works. No members, no show, smack join. Thanks, Creature, for a whole year. <laughs> Thanks, Creature. All right, we're going, we're going live in the next stream. I'll hit the button, and it should bring you with me. Hey, thanks for clicking on the video. Continuing our gameplay of Elden Ring, and today we're setting our sights on Radon. I know it's a tough fight. I know it's crazy. Hey, I, I get complaining and whiny and grumpy. It's part. It's part of the. It's part of the process. All right. So I hope you've enjoyed my gameplay, my frustration, my successes. Uh, we've been really enjoying playing through Elden Ring. I'm going to bring everybody over now from the conversation this morning. We talked about how 